fight for what's right. Fight for your life. Good shit. Late to every episode. Late so much, I'm going to have to buy you a pregnancy test. Bob Rude. <laughs> I want to be a podcaster. Yay. It's my name, Kenta. I'm going to call him Kenta. Dynamite drop in, Monty. That broadcasting school is really paying off for you. <laughs> That's a bold statement, Cotton. Oh, my God. Mine just stopped recording. No, we're good. We're still recording. What a dick. with me. I'd cease and desist me. I'd cease and desist me hard. I need a minute to recover off that. What kind of game is it? War games! Let a war! War games! You are impressionist. Uh, yeah, I know. That's the only thing I've said in the last half hour. Bark, Bark like a dog. dog. <laughs> oh! Oh! Oh, jinx! Holy shit! How did that actually happen? Here we go. horse walks into the bar. Bartender says, why the long face? It's Wednesday. You know what that means. It is the top of wrestling. It is episode nine, part two. And we are here ready to go because today, not only is it time for top of wrestling and top of, well, flicks sometimes, we also have the top topic. This week, I had promised you guys 25 top pay-per-views of all time. But the problem is, I had a very tough time narrowing it down. We both did, and we said, fuck it, we're going for 50, because some of these we may never, ever talk about again. So we'll we'll talk about that when we get into it. Uh, But we also take our trip down the Monday Night Wars memory lane when we go into, well, what would be this week, June 3rd. And, you know, last week, you know, I, I mentioned that we do talk movies here. Uh, last week, if you didn't catch it, the movie of the week was Boys in the Hood, Ice Cube, Lawrence Fishburne, a very young Regina King. A lot of awesome people in that movie. Um, the only quote we didn't use was, give me the fucking gun, Trey. That's it. But anyway, uh, you know... If you've listened this far to episode 9, part 2, you know that ODM likes to make his way in with his movie quote of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, ODM. Pete Dead Meat Thompson is dead. So is Mo Green. Tatalia, Brazzini, the heads of all the five families. <laughs> it's a moment like these, my dear friends. We must ask ourselves, how can this not be part of some larger plan? Do good men like Dead Meat Thompson just blink out one day like a bad bulb? I mean, one minute you're in bed with a knockout gal or guy, and the next you're a compost heap. Doesn't that bother any of you? Because it scares the living piss out of me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you got me with that. I thought I had you pegged for a certain one already that we had talked about, but never mind. That's even better. Wow. Wow. You know what kind of works with that is... Yeah, you know, not saying I don't trust you. Not saying I do, but I but don't. I don't. <laughs> God, I love a good funeral. Oh my god! 
You've given me the will to live again. I can kill. <laughs> Very young guy. Uh, Ryan Styles, right? That's a dude. Yes. That was in, uh, yes. Whose line is yeah. it anyway? Good call. Yeah. yeah. And another guy also played like a scary ass like dentist or something at one point too. The bald guy. Yeah, I thought that was more of just a scene that they did uh, that was from another movie. Is it safe? (laughs) Your face is on the tip of my tongue. All right, let's not blast through everything right here, right now. But we are going to be talking about all those things I just mentioned. But before we dive into that, just a couple days ago, AEW had their double or nothing pay-per-view and so this is a third double or nothing first one was in front of a packed crowd at the mgm last year basically no one at daily's place this year a fucking sold out show in daily's place and how they did the arena looked really cool oh, yeah. i like that they switched it from what you do for your normal I was like, it's just going to look like dynamite, right? No. They went to a completely different corner of the arena where Moxley usually comes out, where you see Daly's place right there. Right. Um, Like, sometimes he comes walking down that area. And they had the entrance there. Totally different. Loved it. Um, I watched it a little later than others because, you know, I mean, I'm in Flagstaff, Arizona, dude, so... Pay-per-view started at 5 o'clock. I was like, I don't want to watch it when it's light out. That's kind of weird to watch a a pay-per-view when it's light out. Opening match. Completely light out. (laughs) I guess I could have just went right along with them. Um, But I don't know, man. I I could not get on board with what Brian Cage wore for the Battle of the, the Ages with the Cage, the Page, Ages. He wore a half Terminator costume to the ring. Yeah, something like that. He's he's the machine. I liked it. I liked that theatricality. I liked when Omega did it in his first match against Tokata. Now he was specifically dressed as the Terminator. He even had the shotgun, um, which is kind of weird when you think about it. But I, I dug it. I like that theatricality. You, know, you save it for big events like that. I thought it worked. Um, but yeah, what a fucking great opener, man. Uh, yeah, you had the sunlight. Uh, Crowd mega pops for Paige. Paige is soaking it all in. Over oh, shit. Fuck. My mic's not working again. No, I gotcha. <laughs> Payback's a motherfucker, ain't it, bitch? <laughs> oh my god. I thought I would play kayfabe for a minute here and be like, yeah, all right, guys, guess what? I'm not gonna tell you. We this is our second round at recording, but you're a dickhead. You're a mother. Oh my god. Wow. I was like, to be honest with you, scrap it. I'm done. I don't give a fuck about this week's show. Uh, I had to take us on that little sidetrack. Sorry about that. It was too Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is round two. We almost went about a good 40 minutes talking about double or nothing. And um, no, we really didn't get that far. But unfortunately, this man's mic was never plugged in. Fucking dude is an IT and his mic wasn't plugged in. Yeah, it's Go funny figure. too. Old age is a motherfucker, man. Because you know when I'm setting everything up, the first thing I do is look at the mic. I'm like, oh, yeah, I gotta plug that in. Apparently, I didn't. So, fuck it, we're live, pal. <laughs> wow. 
That was that was tremendous. Anyway, you know what else was tremendous? The opening match. Uh, it really was a great match. Uh, they teased the dissension between the family and, and Brian Cage. Uh, Hangman gets the win. We get to see uh, Brian Cage do uh, the moonsault lariat or the buckshot lariat. Uh, didn't yep. stick the landing very good, but still, it was impressive to see. Page. Obviously, you know, that's what I was trying to say. He's over as fuck. I'm literally still coming down from that, man. My heart was racing. I'm like, God damn, are we really doing this again? <laughs> all right, anyway. Um, no, Paige, dude. I mean, all right. First of all, one of the things I like about WCW is... You mean AEW? Right, I just have to start calling them WCADAEW. <laughs> we got to figure out a good number, uh, <laughs> setup for that. But anyway, what I like about them, uh, the real WCW was... The summer shows, Bash of the Beast, uh, Bash of the Beach, um, Hog Wild, things like that were in front of an outdoor crowd. Right. And when I saw the light in the match, I was like, oh, kind of brought me back to it. But you know what it made me think of? I was like, all right, so those matches back in the day when you would see it in WCW, it would be like maybe even like a cruiserweight match, like Dean Malenko versus Mysterio. I remember that very vividly. And I'm like, that got the crowd jumping, right? Page and Cage did that. They actually got the crowd pumped. That pinfall, huge pop for Page. Oh, yeah. We've talked about it before. I do not want Page to hold the AEW title for at least another year or two. No need. Does not need it for any reason at all. He's been doing great in the mid-card area. It's weird they do keep referencing his drinking in there, and he's like, who, one of them, he's like, who cares? He goes to the ring and he, and he does his job. <laughs> like, well, good. <laughs> Cheers to that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, great match, and then it was followed up by a video package where it started to show you just how heel Rod and Todd, the young bucks, have actually become. We flushed your Rod sin sticks down the toilet. <laughs> Christian AF. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> it's funny because, you know, yeah, now they're definitely healed because Matt or Nick has the uh, a beard. He's got the little bull ring uh, nose piercing going. There. Clip on. It's a clip on, I guarantee clip- you. Yeah, probably. Uh, it didn't. Was it on during the match? I couldn't no, tell. No. I wasn't looking. Oh, and don't forget the um, drip, drip Seth Rollins jackets that they wore to the ring. Oh my God! I'm so glad you brought that up, dude. Holy cow! You're right because as soon as it's out, I go, "Is is this a new trend? <laughs> like, is everybody wearing like white shit?" And then it just has like. It literally was the same it? thing. It's just uh, these were leather yeah. jackets. I think Seth Rollins was more like a sports coat or a, or a dress jacket, but it was the same exact pattern. Except their pockets had the word pocket. And it also said tights near the the it waistband. Did. And then their shins said champions. That was weird. Huh. Well, they, yeah. I, either way. So before they even come to the ring, though, you have Moxley. And Kingston coming out. And Eddie Kingston. Well, first, Moxley's wearing a shirt that had someone. It was one like, of the Bucks. Because doing... they called him. It was a, one of them. They called him a Mark in the promo. In the, in the video but package. that was one of them. They called him a Mark. They called Moxley a Mark. 
I couldn't tell who the picture was, it but was I do remember the Mark Nick. part. It was Nick. N- oh. Because yeah. they say, because he and says. And then yeah. Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. Kingston comes to the ring with a, at first I'm seeing it's just a jersey. I'm like, whatever. I usually see him wear sports stuff all the time. Sure. But the first thing you see is when the camera gets him from behind while Wild Thing is playing. Again, Major League version, which oh, I yeah. love, by the way. It's such a good version. Um, you see Chico's bail bonds. I go, God damn, what is that? What is that? And I go, oh, my God, that's yeah. the bad news bears. And sure enough, they show him in the front, and it's not fully buttoned, but it's the bears uniform. And I go, oh, I almost wanted to text you and be like, could we switch the movie this week? But, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, that was great. I I don't know how many people actually caught that, but that's amazing. First thing and that's I just saw. a funny part itself, too, because you got to get a sponsorship, sir, Mr. Buttermaker. Chico's Bail Bonds <laughs> for a Little League team. I fucking love it. Walter Matthau. Oh, my God. So this match, I got to be honest, I personally think had the – uh, a little bit better wrestling, more anticipation, better false finishes, whatever you want to call it, than the Bucks versus Omega and Page. I actually think this match was better than that one. I think Kingston and Moxley put up a great match against the Bucks. It was a great match. I, I don't think it lives up to that personally. Um, but... You know, there was my my one complaint, as we discussed previously, was uh, there's a couple cold tags I really didn't care for. Uh, Moxley did Hulk up a couple times and basically played the role of, you know, not an invincible guy, just a guy that just almost like a fucking Riggs from Lethal Weapon kind of persona, yeah. right? Um, Do you want to die? Let's find out. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's pretty much him. Yeah, and then and what's, uh, you they, know what's. Yeah, You're ahead. saying the Hulk up part, mm-hmm. the best part was two super kick party yep. kicks to the face and a kick out at fucking one. Right there, I go, other one in the titles. I marked that's out. I marked out because you could easily make the argument that, that that's stupid and it diminishes the uh, super kick, whatever. I think it just speaks more of They've already diminished the super kick yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's the true. The Bucks have. Yeah, that's true. They made it such a shitty move that I hate anybody that actually uses it. If you use it multiple times in your match, I actually don't care for you anymore. Adam Cole's kind of like floating down that road for he me. He is, yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, the the good thing about this is that, you know, the Bucks are full heel. You know, it's it, a lot of people don't like them anymore. So make them the smarmy heels that they're supposed to be. Um, the, the match. Yeah, told smart the, move. The, the, yeah, right. Uh, the, the match told the story that, you know, they're acting all tough. But going up against Moxley and Kingston, they found out that they weren't tough at all. And I thought that was a really good aspect of the match. And then uh, my favorite part was. Moxley, Moxley getting clocked in the head with the can of freeze spray. Because you know damn well Mox told him, just clock me as hard as you can with this thing. That's the only way you're going to bust me open. And they just potatoed him with that thing. And immediately, immediately. And I was going to say, don't pussyfoot. Yeah. Throw that thing. And and it's funny because as soon as he did it, I this is my sound. I guarantee almost probably 100% did it. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, God damn. Right? Like, Holy shit. It did the job. I wouldn't even let my best friend 
throw I wouldn't let you throw something like that at me. I didn't even care a prop or not. At my head, that velocity, how hard he shot it, and it did bust him open. Oh yeah. I, okay, I'm not sure if he turned and maybe did a cut later. You know, kind of there's one match it was kind of debatable, I feel like if someone did blade on purpose or not, but we'll talk about that in a second right. or later on. But um they were definitely playing the heel tactics. I I got to say I half get the joke of the taking of the shoes. There's only 5,000 of those made um, and all that shit. But it, it was, it's just, it is kind of funny. They, man, they stole shoes. <laughs> and then. I steal, that, I don't kill. They, <laughs> but not only that, they brought them to the ring, waving them around. And yeah. that's just kind of funny. But then they do a doomsday device <laughs> with a shoe. <laughs> Interesting. I kind of wish they won with that. I really wish that Moxley and Kingston took the win with the, the Doomsday shoe device or whatever you want to call it. Um, but device. the Bucks retain, and I wasn't mad. Sure, I yeah. wanted them. I wanted Moxley and Kingston win, to win, but I would actually, I want to see a, a a real team probably take it a good baby face. Let's keep the the the, the champs be heels. I, I'm always a heel champ kind of guy just because it helps build who you have um no shit wow that's a that's a perfect little uh segue casino battle royal won by jungle boy that's what i'm talking about man nailed it push the younger talent and in a couple of weeks we're gonna get omega versus jungle boy and oh my god dude i was so excited first i thought it was gonna be big show Really thought the wild card was going to be Big Show or the Joker because he put out a tweet a couple days before saying he had the itch. And he said that he, he cannot wait. And it was not him. It was the biggest name that's out there in the free agency, Leo Rush. <laughs> no. Um, no, that's the thing is that... We, <laughs> We hyped ourselves to think. Yep. Did Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, uh, I mean anybody, anybody, even anybody from Impact, right? Sammy Callahan put out a fucking tweet ahead of time and said, "Feel like playing poker." Uh, Dickhead. Yeah, I know, right? I would have much rather it been him, only because I'm a huge Sammy Callahan fan, um, for multiple reasons. But Leo Rush. He's getting kind of some flack online, I feel like. Um, you know, it's kind of just mixed uh, if people are for or against him being, like, like, was it worth him being the Joker, right? And I'm like, to me, what was he fired from WWE for? Was there an accusation of some form, or was it just he, just, had he was heat, a part of a he release? Had, he had heat backstage. Uh, as he said something about okay. basically touting himself as the man or whatever. Yeah, so there's definitely some heat there. But when you did back in season one, when you went uh, to the Virgil Flynn tournament, uh, you were talking yes. to the promoters out there, and you were saying that they all said he's a great guy. and Humble. Sweet <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So my point to that is I, I wanted to double check as to what his thing is. is I was like, because he kind of deserves a good spotlight because mm-hmm. – let me say, when he was with Bobby Lashley, that was the best thing about Bobby Lashley that was going at that time. Hell yeah. You get rid of Leo Rush, 
and then you put Bobby with Lana. Hmm. We all know how that turned out. Now, Bobby's with MVP, a man who could talk for him. That's excellent. Not everybody could talk. Bobby needs someone for him. Leo was the man. But Leo can also go. Leo got in the ring and... Oh, great sequence. What? 90 seconds worth of just awesome shit from him. And, I mean, you knew that. You, that's what happens in a Royal Rumble or any kind of Rumble is that it's always a... Uh, what do you call it? Like a spot fest for whoever comes in. They get to run through each guy. Yep. But how he did it was like a backwards crawling spider and then like doing these odd cartwheels and, and slides. Yeah. And, and, yeah. It was insane. And he had the private profits with him to to do all those tricks with, um, especially the one that does the really high-pitched scream <laughs> when he gets thrown in the air. I love that. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Um, I actually forgot Matt Hardy is, that's how much I really been paying attention. I forgot that he's been running that little crew. Evil Uno got a good pop. Everybody in Dark Order got a good pop. But the best part for me, Cole Cabana comes to the ring wearing the white Mr. Brody Lee jacket. And just a good feel good moment, man. You see him do the hand gesture of, uh, of the Dark Order and, it's cool. I just like to see everybody w- with what they're doing. It's funny because actually 10 got jumped before he even got like to the ring and beat everybody's ass. Um, it was like uh, Matt Hardy. It was trying to jump him ahead of time. Um, I'll be honest. One, I didn't realize the private profits or whatever were actually a part of the match. I thought the way that they were dressed when they were like attempting to throw someone out, I'm like, why are you doing it? And then when the second guy came out, like, oh, <laughs> oh you're in the match. purposely dressed in khakis. They, they were dressed like they were going uh, about to get on a yacht. Say, I was gonna say Bahamas, yeah. <laughs> Suavemente. So anyway, he, uh, Jungle Boy ends up going down to the finals with Christian and I can't remember who the last person was, um, but it did come down to Christian Jungle Boy and excellent sequence there was. Both guys are on the outside, and we've seen it before where if they're both facing the same way. Um. Okay. Yeah. Both both facing the same way, and, and Christian pushes Jungle Boy towards the post. Should knock him right off and push him down. Right? Nope. Not Jungle Boy. Wraps him his arms right around that post. Swings around to the other side. I've never seen that before. Like that. That I mean, like it's kind of Rey Mysterio like, but it was right Jungle Boy like. It was really cool, man. Um, and he ends up doing a kind of a lift right over his body and throwing Christian right out and winning. And it was an awesome feel-good moment. I love Jungle Boy. I'm a huge fan of his. I Another guy does not need a world title until probably like seven years from now. Um, he's just got to keep doing what he's doing. Looks so much like his dad. Yeah, I know, and, and, right? And sad, but also kind of, you know, heartwarming, whatever you want to say. When you see him, he's looking up, and I'm like, you know, he's thinking about his dad and shit every time when he's looking up. And I'm like, that was a big moment, a big pay-per-view moment, a good big win. pop, too. He's been the yeah. – oh, yeah. And he's been the runner-up on a lot of these is the problem. He's never gotten the big win on pay-per-view. He lost to MJF, too, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, so he's never had a really, really big win. So – he should be enjoying that shit on his own. Oh, here comes Marco Stunt. <laughs> Motherfucker. 
I would have been okay if it was just Luchasaurus. I don't know why that actually is okay that way. I'm like, just if it was him, okay. But I just hate Marco Stunt, honestly. Yeah, same. They... <clears throat> okay. We'll get back to him another day. Anyway, um, but then Christian comes up, and they do the whole stare down, like, oh, he's still in the ring. Uh-oh, like afterwards. And I thought they were going to draw it out, where it's like the will he shake his hand, will he not shake his hand. Christian walked right up and just went, yo, you're the fucking man. Tapped him on the chest and then did the the swipe to the waist saying, now go get the title, man. Go for it. This is your moment. You do it. And it just gave him a hug. And I was like, that was cool. It was like a, a passing of the torch um, in a way. And Christian, first man in. Last man out. Yep. First of all, I got to say, I love that when the first card went up, they go, it clubs. Is that a club? I go, that's a good question. It kind of looks like a spade with club drawings through it. It was kind of a weird setup that even I was like, I don't know. It was, And he goes, I don't know what it is. Like I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, it just a really good match. I, I Again, I didn't need to see that. But we did get to see Christian and Matt Hardy in an AEW ring. Facing off. Pretty cool. It was cool. And it, big show on commentary. Yeah, yeah. They definitely marked out a little bit. And they, they didn't really milk it too much. It was just a brief, like, oh, shit, there's definitely history here. Uh, but it makes sense to have Christian kind of run that entire match. Um, he was the perfect one, probably, in the company to just run that thing start to finish. Uh, and it wasn't too bad. a good veteran in there because a lot of those guys are extremely green. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, big time. It, and I don't mean green as in wrestling at all. I just mean... When it comes to a battle royal and on a very, very timed, constraint uh, setting, you know, on pay-per-view, if you're saying that you're going to go off the air at a certain time, you have to promise that. Hence, Halloween Havoc 1998. (laughs) Um, (sighs) All right, man, do me a favor. Before I shit all over it, talk about this next match because I'm I'm not happy with it. Go ahead. All right, well, I think there's one uh, piece uh, that I think really – because it definitely didn't live up to expectations uh, for me. But th- there is one part that I think was awesome, uh, and it really made Miro look like a million bucks and continue this hold up. push of a... Uh, hold up. What? Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. You just said Miro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're on uh, Cody and Anthony. I'll go, go, go. Oh, I'm in my notes. Uh, oh, I didn't even put it in there. Well, that's pretty much how I you feel did. about it, so... All right, go ahead, shit all over it. That's perfect. Here, I'm going to drink a beer. You yeah, go ahead, perfect. shit all over it. That works. You not putting it in makes it all the better. Uh, <laughs> boring match. I thought it would be much better for a man who is two and zero. Anthony Agogo loses to Cody. Yeah, I get your American Dream. It was cool. He came out dressed like a Apollo Creed guy in like the Revolutionary War or something. I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, but he, um. It was just a boring match, but I was surprised that Gogo didn't even go over. I think I also called last week. Well, I did call it Jungle Boy was going to win, but I think I also said, I'm like, Cody will probably go over because fucking Cody. God damn it. I'm like, I didn't want to be right. It's a vanity match. Uh, uh, That's all it is. That's all Cody is. It's it's all vanity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, yeah, now, please. Miro. Now. I'm not exactly. (laughs) Bro. All right, look, I'm okay with the outcome of the match. I'm okay with, like, 98% of this match. There's 2% of the match I was not happy with, but I go. 
Well, the match didn't live up to expectations. Uh, You know, Miro retains with a like almost like a weird sleeper slash game over, but like inverted on his back. So, and uh, Archer doesn't give up. He passes out. We've seen that spot before. Um, But man, they're really making Miro look like a beast. And the thing is, not only did he go after Jake the Snake, but he fucking picks up the bag with the snake. With let's be honest, there's no real snake in there. And just fucking chucks it at the entrance. Two <laughs> percent. There's your two percent, bro. I. What the fuck are you thinking, <laughs> Tony Khan and or Miro, Cody, anybody who's involved in this idea? Um, hello, you trying to get Peter to chase after you? Miro tweeted. Like... Miro, Miro tweeted after the match. He goes, "You can bring Peter. I don't give a rat's ass or something like that." <laughs> it was awesome. Like, okay, here's the deal. Um. I knew it wasn't a snake. <laughs> kind of hoping that after he threw it, they were going to go grab it again, and it was going to have, like, some thumbtacks in it or some shit, just so it would be like, oh, phew, okay, so he's not that fucked up. Nope. He is that fucked up to throw a fucking live animal across the, I mean, what would you say, like, 25 feet? Yeah, about. Landing on a stage? Yeah. He chucked that thing pretty good. That may be... One of the more controversial things AEW has done ever when it comes to controversy. That's some. Sure. Yo, that's. I don't give a fuck what you think. People have snakes as pets, right? I'm not even a fan of snakes. But let me say this. Pets are pets. Would you have allowed him to do it with a cat, a dog, a bird? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's. Well, maybe a bird. Those things are. (laughs) You know what I'm saying is. Yeah, man. It's just I, really, even, like, it, I drop my fucking jaw. I go, oh, my God, did he really just throw a fucking, again, even, again, yeah, I get the kayfabe, it's not really it, but still, you're like, holy shit. I dug it. But I liked it a lot. That's a way to get heat, I guess. Uh, yeah, wow. I, I loved it. I loved it. Miro still champion. guess what? He's no longer the real Slim Shady. He's the best <laughs> man, Miro. He got rid of the blonde hair. He looks like, he looks like. Rusev, you know what I mean? Like the man that he looks like the man that would say, I will kill you until you die from it. There is that. There is that. Boom. Look at that. Bringing in a like we'll do it the old navy way. References. (laughs) Whoever dies first. The old navy way is yeah. First guy to die loses. Oh, my God. Such a good one. I see you're no stranger to pain. Yeah, I've been, I've been married. Twice. Twice. <laughs> um, so, all right, we did, get, we, we did get something that was a really cool video package. Cody talking with his tattoo on his neck. I mean, I'm just going to have to start saying that from now on. Kind of like how I always have to say Roman with his teeth. Got to say Cody with the tattoo on his neck. Because every time I see it, I'm like, God, when's it going to wash off? <laughs> like, it just looks hope, like, bro. You're it, still hoping it's going to wash off. <laughs> but at no point, you're not like, God, there's like a million other places in my body I could have did that. Like, you have dream on your peck right. and that. Nothing else. I don't get it. Guy really likes his upper half. I guess <laughs> right. so. Anyway, all out. 
place where he said AEW, for where all elite wrestling was born. Guess you can't really reference and say that All In is a AEW pay-per-view, but I don't know, man, like 60 to 70% of the roster now was at that pay-per-view. You know who was there was Tessa Blanchard, by the way. If you go back all the way back then, some some names that were there, you're like, wow, oh, no shit. Yeah, well, we'll talk about it sometime. Um, but this is going to be in Chicago, the first place outside of Daly's Place. And they've been at Daly's Place now for, well, since the pandemic, since they were supposed to really be in Rochester. Mm. I'm sorry. I hate to do that to you every time. Still rubbing uh, it in. A little bit. Um, but the... As soon as the promo's over, Jay, I had to do this back-to-back. All right, man, this is just outstanding. This promo ends. JR immediately says, huh, can't wait to go get a steak there. Okay? And then what's the uh, uh, mask? Excalibur, he's like, oh, is it going to be the first sold-out show for us out of town? Yada, yada, yada. Then... Before the main event of this pay-per-view tonight, they show you that full gear is going to be in November. As soon as I started seeing the gears, I go, are they about to announce another pay-per-view? I'm like, Cause I, I'm like I know that's the full gear, like, backdrop, right. logos, all that shit. And they say it's going to be in November. And I think it's, like, probably same thing, like, November 5th or something like that. As soon as the promo ends... <laughs> Legit first words out of JR's mouth. Ugh, can't wait to get me some ribs because they're in St. Louis, Missouri. Jesus Christ. JR was a gem at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Anybody telling me that he was not drinking throughout the show or at least having some NyQuil or something as the time was going on, His meds were whatever it was, off. the meds were wearing off. Shit, he's getting lucid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pass my pill. Pass my pill. All right. <laughs> All right. Next match. We wanted it, and we got it. Britt Baker, DMD, is officially the AEW Women's Champion. It's about time. This match was, like, if it was 20 minutes, it was 19 minutes too long because it just had way too many false finishes. It it, yeah. it wasn't as much of a storytelling match as it was just spot after spot after spot. Um, I don't know. I'm old school, but I come from the, the game of if you get hit by a crutch from someone, that's a disqualification. One side or the other. I don't give a fuck whose side you're on, but Reba... Not Rabi, or I don't know, whatever her fucking name is. I sh- they shouldn't give me two names because now Reba, I don't know not what Rebel. either one is. Or Rebel, <laughs> not Reba. I don't know. One of them. And I want to call her Rebby just because that's yeah. Matt Hardy's <laughs> wife's name, I, which has nothing to do with any of it. But anyway, she hits her hits Britt Baker with a crutch. Ref just goes, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Then there's another part where... All right, I don't. Uh, here's a false finish I didn't appreciate. Okay, you want to win lockjaw, win with lockjaw, and right. spend seventy percent of your match teasing getting your hand into her mouth to do the jaw to do the lockjaw. 
why did you need to do a curb stomp on the title while the ref's back was turned? The funny thing is that when the ref turned around, she has just thrown the title out of the ring, and the ref saw and then turned his head to go, I didn't see it, and then looked back. I'm like, it was clear as day that he caught it. It was kind of funny. But then you kick out. A curb stomp on a championship and you kick out, but you can't take someone pulling on your fucking mouth. Yep. Just saying, man. I don't, I, I, I'm not saying like I don't trust you. I'm not saying I do, but I don't. Anyway. It was a good match, though, for what it was. Britt Baker did win. Tony Schiavone comes and meets her on the ramp, gives her a giant hug. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I don't know if they've got like a history that. or anything, or they've just you know gotten to know each other, or I don't know. I mean, it's it, it they've done all the skits with that weird interview. Yeah, <laughs> they were at the day spa or whatever. That was I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty fucking funny. Pretty funny. I you wanna, know what I think it is? I think I want to meet your. You, you know what Tony says to Britt Baker? I want to I want to meet your parents. I want to pet your dog. My parents are dead. My dog Tony. ate them. <laughs> Sorry, I had to cut you off. <laughs> I gotta get him in there. <laughs> that's, that's such a good one, dude. I fucking love that one. My parents are dead. The dog ate him. <laughs> Can we I, just talk about how just hot she is? Oh, yeah. and then she also did big top peewee. We'll give her that too. Yeah, I try to forget that hey. one. Yeah. Hey, hey, where, where's your, where's the first lady? <laughs> I don't know. I. Oh, my, my dogs are stepping on each other over here. Y'all good? We're having a Royal Rumble? All right. My bad. What'd you do? Fuck it. We're live, dogs. All right. Not even going back to the line. All right, man. Let's get back into this pay-per-view. Sting and Darby Allen defeated Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Absolutely shocked. That it not only ended with them winning, but Sting got the pin after a Scorpion death drop. What did you think of of Sting? It looked amazing. It was insane. I did not expect that. He looked amazing. I thought Darby was going to carry much, much more of the match than he actually did. He He did most of the bumps. Yeah. Uh, well, dude, you want to talk about the bump of the night? Uh, bump that... of the night, moment of the night, spot of the night. I'll actually go on to say that this match and the Young Bucks and, and Moxley and Kingston tied for match of the night, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. The yeah, other matches were what we expected. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. In certain aspects. Um, this one was, it really got the crowd into it. Sting took bumps motherfucker you want to talk about a bump first thing he takes scorpio sky takes him out to the ramp and gives him a suplex on the ramp i mean the dude hasn't wrestled since seth rollins gave him the buckle bomb in 2015 at night of champions and how long does sting stay down half a second pops up and no sells it while scorpio sky is standing on the poker chips sting stands up behind him oh it was awesome then what does Sting do? Dives off of the fucking poker chips onto Paige and Sky. Awesome. He looked great. We did a lot of uh, Stinger splashes. 
great moment where he had Scorpio Sky. No. No, no, I take it back. He had Ethan Page in the uh, Scorpion Deathlock. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. then Scorpio Sky put uh, Darby Allen into some form of a leg move, I think. I, I cannot remember right now off the top of my head. Darby and Ethan Page are face-to-face. Fuck it, we'll just start hitting each other. And they awesome. start gouging each other's eyes and Hell shit. Yeah. I was like, this is amazing. But the moment of it, of this entire match, is where Ethan Page lifts up all 10 pounds of Darby Allen. I get it. Yes, he's light. But how he figures... How he, you could get anybody to do this, I don't understand. If you're just mega strong or Darby's used to gliding through the air because everybody uses his body is just everything. Ethan Page throws him from inside of the ring to the front row. Yo, that's some Hulk Hogan to Rocky in Rocky 3 kind of shit. Yeah, right. But not only does he throw him in the front row, makes him land on top of his brothers. Look, Wendy, I can see our house from up here. <laughs> Holy shit, dude, that was unbelievable. I did not expect that. Of course, Darby could take any bump. I don't know how he just does it, but the video package was kind of cool of Darby skating on the way into the place and then uh Sting picks him up. They drive it in the convertible top down and everything. It's showtime. It was cool. I, I it was it was kind of a cool uh, oh, video. Oh yeah. Overall, good match. I was kind of uh, very impressed that they were gonna give him as much time as they did, and again, that Sting got the win. Yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of was, you know, talking about it last week where I said, you know, oh, okay, great, it's Sting in a match. Why are we doing this? But uh, you know, I, I guess in small doses, it'd be great. It, it can be great. You know, he showed it. Uh, you know, the other night, so. Uh, I like what I saw. I, I just don't want to see, you know, I, you know what I mean? I don't, let, let's not get too much of a good thing. Uh, let's make this in every once in a while and just have sting more in a figure, figurehead kind of role. Agreed. You know what I mean? Agreed. But yeah, it was a great match. Exceeded expectations. Well, maybe they could, they could work something that the next person that Derby faces. Hey, if I beat you, sting can never wrestle again or something like that. Oh. Could be just something. Sure. I think that would be a good idea. Um, the next match kind of made me a little worried because they put uh, the world title match up, and I go, uh, man, aren't we supposed to be seeing the uh, spring stamp, <laughs> not spring stampede, the uh, stadium stampede? I go, uh-oh. It made you wonder. So it's like, does that mean that someone's going to win the world title? Oh, shit. Or is Inner Circle going to lose? Like, kind of had you thinking a lot. <clears throat> but also, last year, Brody Lee was the one that fought John Moxley yep. for the world title at Double or Nothing. And that match happened before the stadium stampede. What's crazy is that it was said to be that this was going to be a live match. I guess it was. You could have pre-taped a lot of this shit. Mm-hmm. The way it looked is that it pretty much was. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But um, anyway, this match... Pack, Omega, and OJ, they had 
what we expected. The exact person took the pinfall we said was going to. Great moments in the match. Several. Um, first is when Don Callis pulls out the referee. The crowd starts chanting, fuck you, Don. That was cool. Um, one of my favorite moments is that Pac has Orange Cassidy in the brutalizer. And the ref is in his face being like, are you going to submit? Are you going to submit? Omega comes in to break it up, kicks him, and he just doesn't let him go. And he keeps kicking Pac in the face. And, he, and he's like, oh, my God, what the fuck am I going to do? Because pa- because Orange is going to pass out or, or tap out any second now. Right. So what do you do? Take out the ref. It's just brilliant. It, I loved it. You Man. know, it's it, it almost was as good as the one with Kyle O'Reilly kicking the ref. And then needing him from the pen and going, what are you, stupid? <laughs> yeah, right. I, uh, what I really liked about that was that because they sold it as, uh, oh, this is why he made it a no DQ match. You know, but I mean, it's yeah. a triple threat, so it would be no DQ anyway, technically. But uh, so. I was thoroughly impressed that they didn't use the Good Brothers. They came out only at the celebration instead yep. of the box, which is cool. What the fuck is up with Doc Gallows and what he wears? Like, Carl Anderson no comes idea. out in just, like, a hat or whatever. He, he comes out like a pimp. But not like, yo, I'm a P-I-M-P. I mean, like, he looks like he pimps. I don't know. Doesn't have to be girls. But anyway, so the match was, it was exciting. There was a lot of fun near falls, especially where, uh, like, if one guy would do a the finisher Someone would try to steal the pin. There was a couple of real close moments where you're like, <gasps> you knew they were never going to put that fucking title on Orange Cassidy. Yeah, they teased it to the end. But you know. they did. And the crowd really was into it. For some reason, I'm like, they were really, really getting so like, oh, when Orange would only get a two count. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. guys, can you? Yeah, I, I get you're live and you want to see a, a title change, but. This isn't the way to do it, man. No. Be no. excited for Pac. Now, Pac, when he put the the brutalizer on Omega, I was like, oh, that's how he beat him at all in or all out or whatever it was a couple yep. of years back. I was like, oh, that's good, that's good. I'm like, oh my god, oh god. Um one of my favorite lines, there's several lines in this one, but um before he leaves commentary, Don Callis says, um, they were, and he go because they were kept bringing up how Pac has beaten Omega, and so is Orange Cassidy. He goes, God, he goes, you guys just want to keep mentioning this. We're going to have to turn this into a drinking game. I loved that. I thought that was just a really funny joke to say. But then after Don pulls out the ref, um, JR on commentary, Don is the pimple on the ass of life. Excellent line, JR. Good yeah. for you. Bills were wearing off by main event time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but before we even get to the main event, they say uh, we're going to have a new show, and it's going to be on Friday nights. And basically, it's at 10 o'clock, so as soon as you're done watching SmackDown, we want you to turn to our channel. Um, and here's someone who's going to be on our show. Didn't see us one coming. No. World's most strongest man, Mark Henry. There is a very, very funny meme that's out there right now. Not sure if you caught it. I don't think so. In Randy Orton's feud yeah. with Drew McIntyre, <laughs> he took out 
and, or, and a part of Edge as well, but within the last year, took out Matt Hardy, Christian, Mark Henry, and The Big Show. All four now work for AEW. That's fucking funny. It's hilarious. I, I think that's goddamn awesome. So there was that. Um, but then let's you know talk about the actual stadium stampede match. Pinnacle, you think they're all showing up in a limo and it was just MJF. I thought we almost had an Owen Hart tragedy on our hands when the inner circle started to come in. When Jericho especially, where he started swinging like a madman, I was like, he's going to go through the scoreboard. Yeah, well, well, at first, the way they all dropped at first, I saw they were sitting there, but they didn't sit long enough to let us see that they were sitting there. And they jumped off, and it looked like they fell, and like they, the way they bounced, I was like, <gasps> I was like, oh my god, and the camera then backed up and I was like, what the fuck just happened? And then they go back and you see them. They're all bouncing around and shit. Um, and you hear the crowd actually singing from inside the arena. You can hear Judas. That was cool. MJF is wearing some sparkly ass fucking pants. I don't know if we wanted to talk about that at all. Bedazzled they also jeans. had the, the plaid parts in there. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I'll, I'll just run down this and you, you jump in where you feel like you want to. So, you know, everybody basically, they hurry up and get right into the ring so that you could hear the ding ding. It was like Guevara and, uh, I want to say cash wheeler. And they were all on the field for all about a total of like 45 seconds. This would have been better called a backstage brawl yep. instead of a, Stadium stampede. Pretty much. None of it was in the goddamn stadium. Um, MJF and uh, Jericho backstage. That was fucking funny when he grabs the telephone, hits him with it, and then stands up, puts the phone to his head and goes, what? Oh, I'm sorry. Jericho can't come to the phone right now. He's busy swallowing his own teeth. <sighs> they were great together. And then Jericho grabs the megaphone and screams at him. And they fall into a room where the Jacksonville Jaguars coaches are apparently in the stadium at 1030 at night, 11 o'clock, whatever time it is right now, working on plays. And the coach just starts throwing balls to Jericho so he can start throwing them at MJF. They were actually pretty funny like moments in this match. Here we go with another JR quote. Yeah, I think Tim Tebow would even hate MJF. <laughs> All right. Well, I just loved it. I, I don't know why it was just such a great quote. I'm like, it's football related. It's just, it's excellent. Um, then we get Wardlow and Hager battling in a freezer. Uh, were the pigs real? What's that? <laughs> Were the pigs real? They were like upside down meats of pigs. I couldn't tell if they were real. They looked kind oh, of that's a good not. question, man. Yeah, it was it was odd. Um, but then they you see Sean Spears. He's looking or uh, Sammy Guevara is looking around for Sean Spears. Spears is in a chair room with like thousands of chairs sitting there, and they start fighting. Um, and I have this written down for the third time tonight. Jr. has said quicker than a hiccup. Oh, he's quicker than a hiccup. 
he was really in recycling mode towards the end of the night. I caught that too. Yeah, that doesn't surprise just saying, me. Hey, he's probably got a, he's probably got a paper that's got you know one liners written down on it, and he can just cycle through them when they're appropriate. Or he just randomly picks one. knocker quicker than a hiccup. <laughs> um, Spears handcuffs Sammy Guevara, but it's funny. Five minutes before that, um, it, sorry, my my dog just knocked something over. My man, we're just having the worst fucking day ever. I, uh, <laughs> All right, anyway, um, before this. Sean Spears sees bolt cutters or a chair. It's kind of like when they make fun of it in uh scary movie, the knife or the banana, ah, the banana. <laughs> but with this one, he grabs the chair, but he takes the bolt cutters and throws them across the room. Well, they come into play later because where he handcuffs Sammy is right next to the bolt cutters. Yeah, I thought true. that was just, it was cool. It was funny. Um, this was all made very cinematic, very, like I said, it all could have been very well pre-taped. No problem. Sure. I don't know why they didn't. And now we go to proud and powerful and they go to a bar. Well, we called it, didn't we? We said someone's going to be drinking. There's going to be a bar, except I have an issue with what this looks like. Did you did you have any issue with it before I start talking? Uh, the fact that Tully and FTR looked like they were going to work at a steel mill. Uh, no, they looked like they were at the Blue Oyster Bar okay. from Police Academy. Bum, ba, and da, da, when they da, all came in, but that's they both had like somewhat short shirts cut off. Tully's wearing the bandana around his neck, but they're all wearing cutoffs. I go. And the music that was playing, it was like disco-y kind of music, and it's all blue lighting. I go, you're at the fucking Blue Oyster Cult. I just, I go, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Then they beat everybody up in the bar that are patrons. They start cracking glasses over everybody's head. And someone said, or Tully sets up a table for FTR and Santana and Ortiz to do a shot with each other. And Santana and Ortiz look over their shoulder to the DJ. Fucking Conan yeah, is awesome. the DJ. It was awesome. I marked on that one. I, I, yeah. like, I like smiled. I go, it's fucking That was Conan. my favorite part. That's that cool. was my favorite part right yeah. there. It was really awesome. Um, I liked that the remaining patrons that weren't beat up, they all had their phones out and were, fo- and were <laughs> filming. I'm like, because it kind of made it look bar-like. That was kind of cool. I'll take that. Right. Um, then they go back to, you know, check in with everybody from here. Um, we get Hager and Wardlow fighting a little bit. Then we get back to Jericho and MJF and there's a cardboard cutout of Tony, Tony Khan's dad that they just kind of like, I don't know, tease and he's holding like tequila or something in his hand. I think Cause I think I, I, whatever, I don't know, man. The whole thing was fucking weird. Um, Jericho staples, a thank you to MJF's head, which, you know, is just a sticky on one side, obviously, I hope. Anyway, then Sean Spears got ran down by the inner city or the inner circle motorcycle club. Who the fuck are they? When did they get in there? Is this the new Disciples of Apocalypse? You know, Jericho did that show in Sturgis during the height of COVID, so. All right. It was just weird. Yeah. It was just out of nowhere. It was. Um, but then he ends up get also getting chased down later by Sammy Guevara. 
tables turning because he was the one being chased down in the golf cart this year. He exactly. gets to drive. <laughs> you grew up, buddy. You get to drive it this year. <laughs> um, Jericho and MJF go into the arena, and great part where he lifts MJF up onto the one of the handrails that you use walking down the steps. JR goes, oh, I hope he's wearing a cup. Tony goes, I don't. It's just it was a just quick line, good line, good for you. <laughs> and then that one ends with MJF going through like some wooden setup, like a box. It was kind of weird. I don't right. know what it was. Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears get in the ring, and god damn it. How happy were you that they decided to close the match with the two youngest guys in all of them? Is Sean Sean Spears isn't even that young? I don't think he's okay. The youngest I don't one. mean young. Okay, but the the two mid card guys. It wasn't sure. the tag teams because you wouldn't end it just Santina and Wardlow. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it was. I love the ending of it. Yeah, I, they, for some reason was actually a fan of who they who they chose to end it and how they ended it and the way it ended. I was like, oh my god, like yeah, holy and it, shit. And it was the whole you know Sean Spears is the chairman. Uh, so Guevara gets the, the the chair set up in the corner and just plants his face through it. It was a nice little move, kind of like had his arms held out and just used his foot to force him face first in the chair. Hit that weird, like, 650 senton. It almost looked like he didn't make it. It was a little close for comfort. It was a little close but for comfort. He, it, it was, but when he hit three, or when the, the ref hit three, mm. the crowd was even shocked. Oh, I yeah. saw a lot of faces being like, oh, shit, inner circle are staying together. Okay. Yeah. Which um, I, I'm happy that they are staying together. I'm glad that that was just a tease just for fun. And the biggest star of the show closes the show. The crowd. They leave us singing Judas. Yep. I haven't heard it in so long. I'm not bullshitting you. I'll bring it all the way to the camera. I got real goosebumps, man, thinking about it. They all sang Judas, and I haven't heard it in over a year the right way with a full crowd. And even Jericho, you could tell, was feeling it. It was awesome. It was great for that, and that's how they went off the air was that. It was a cool ending. Yeah. Hell yeah. So that is double or nothing. So now we'll quickly talk about some news here as well because – I guess that's technically a part of news now. Yeah. <laughs> Battled our <laughs> right. way through that. Wow, where did the time go? Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll blow through this one. Uh, Michael Cole Jr., uh, a.k.a. Tom Phillips, and Adnan Verk, the absolutely horrendous commentator for Raw, have both been released. So, yeah, there was a, another. This was a more subdued Black Thursday, Black Wednesday, uh, where they let a, the WWE let go about 60 st- people. From their office staff. Like staff people, office, like media, yeah. social media stuff like that. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, um, I, I will say to that, um, there was also another announcer that, um, it's not in our news, but an AEW announcer was mm, released. Yeah. I'm, I can't think of his name right now, but, uh, for, I guess, his comments and how he said it about, uh, Hukarashita. Yeah, it so, was. Uh, it's he like, did you like. Got to watch yeah. what the fuck you say, man. Yeah, he did. What it wasn't even what it? he said. He was like making. He was doing the stereotypical Shida accent, or I'm sorry, Japanese accent. Oh. Yeah. 
Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. It'd be like it, it was like, like Michael Scott doing I pain. wouldn't even do that. I, the only time the only time I do that on this podcast is if I'm trying to do Oscar just because right. she's funny. But isn't that hilarious because <laughs> Oscar is the stereotype of what Americans, you know, of like you know Japanese dialect, I guess. And this guy was doing that and got fired. And WWE's it. like that's good shit. Yeah, right. They're probably going to they're probably going to do it next week. I'll see Corey Graves doing it. They're going to hire him. <laughs> um so yeah he was released uh as well um you know what's great is each week we get to talk about our monday night wars and uh a person that we just talked about recently from the american males buff daddy buff bagwell was arrested apparently fled the scene of an accident and was impaired do you know where he got arrested the same place that big boss man's from if you ever take a trip down to Cow County, Georgia, where well, I'm looking for you, and you're looking for trouble in hard times. Sorry, <laughs> I'll sing that later. <laughs> you know the big boss man and make it walk the line. All right. You better watch this. Time. All right, okay, all right. What's the next? <laughs> Serving hard time. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Just had to get that last line in. <laughs> Look at man, I gotta say, all these guys that we talk about, these men, they, they've taken a supreme vow to celibacy, just like their fathers and their fathers before them. <laughs> Such a subtle, fucking awesome line. <laughs> I almost celibacy, put that one in just there. like their fathers and their fathers. <laughs> all right, please go on. All right, uh, so we had talked about, you know, obviously. Uh, AEW has been working with New Japan, uh, but apparently WWE and New Japan have been having discussions. And apparently Tony Khan doesn't like that, so he cut a little promo on Nick Khan from the WWE. And uh, Tony says, quote, I just want to address as the forbidden door that New Japan Pro Wrestling has apparently had talks with WWE's president Nick Khan. Well, Nick, if you've been talking to New Japan for two months, you've gotten a lot done. Just in the last two weeks, I've had Yuji Nagata, Ren Narita, and Rocky Romero in AEW. I've reunited Rapongi Vice. I've had the IWGP US champion John Moxley defend the title successfully on our show, and I have future plans with New Japan for the US title. So you must have gotten a lot done in two months, Nick. In fact, I think there's only room for one con in the wrestling business. It's me, Tony Khan, not some con man, con man, from Connecticut. Um... So apparently talks between WWE and New Japan go back to about late March. Um, the idea would be uh, including sending WWE talents to New Japan, including Daniel Bryan, who has been vocal about wanting to do work outside of WWE. WWE. Yeah, WWE events. Um, I did read that Daniel Bryan is kind of one of the reasons that WWE is kind of making that push, which... That's cool. Hey, if it happens, that's awesome. Wouldn't it be great? Daniel Bryan shows up there that you know that that is only exposure if they say WWE superstar Daniel Bryan, right? Right. Going over to face Okada, just a one-off match in Wrestle Kingdom. Hell right? yeah. Say he did it or whatever the case Take is. Take my money. Um, which, well, I guess you, kind of a quick segue to that. You know, we talked last week about that Will Ospreay is no longer the champion. You know, and they finally merged the title. And it's cool because the, the merging looked like it stopped halfway in between and it became a butterfly. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
the match at Dominion, which is going to be, well, I think, actually this coming weekend. Um, or just, yeah, actually this weekend. It is Kazuchika Okada taking on Shingo Takagi, who is, I think Shingo, if I'm not mistaken, is a part of Los Ingros, Ingros, Nobles. See, I can't even. L-I-J. Yeah, Lidge. Um, but also that night, um, I have it written wrong. It's not Jay White. It's uh, Ibushi is taking on Jeff Cobb. Yes, I Jeff saw that. Cobb taking on Ibushi, yeah. which is going to be a huge, huge match. Probably Okada takes the title. Yeah, right? it's weird because Takaji's already beaten Okada. I don't know if it was at the G1. So it'll be interesting. It's either that or the cup. One, it was one like yeah. the, the New Japan Cup or something like that. I think it, yeah. So yeah, man, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I would think Okada, Okada is your rock. You just put it on him and until you figure it out, right? I'd be happy to see him win the title. It's yeah. he's not make him like, a six time. Probably, I think so. But it's not one of those guys that I'm like, oh, he's had it too many times. I'm like. There's nobody better than him. Right exactly. You know, it's I, so you have to put it on. Him. He's your default option. Absolutely. Yeah, which is you know, so you know why well, he has so many of them. <laughs> uh, this part of news I, I put in here, and this one makes me kind of just giggle. Eddie Kingston did a uh, Q and A um, on ad free shows, and someone asked him about his relationship with Cesaro, and <clears throat> I don't have all of it written here because. It would have just been more expletive after expletive, but <laughs> Cesaro didn't put Kingston over in his final match in Shikara. And which is and he goes on to say that he goes, Claudio, Cesaro, whatever. Fuck him. He's a scumbag. He's a big bitch Swiss motherfucker. Yikes. So there's that. <laughs> I and, oh, he actually said, "Stay over there, stay over there. Don't come over here." I'm like, "Wow, I, how real is it? Or is he just have like I'm, I'm like, sure is his contract coming up and he's working, or is it real? Like, but maybe he really is pissed that he didn't get to be put over because you're supposed to go out on your back generally. But you know, I'll even say this right now because it kind of makes its way in there. Trish Stratus didn't go out on her back. She won a fucking championship on her final night when she was retiring. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's going to be talked about a little later on, but so it's not always, but you know, it's the favor you should be handing over. Um, did you get to see ultimate warriors bio? Not the, the, not dark side of the ring. Did you see the A and E? Yeah. I, for some reason, I think I might've missed the last few minutes, but, um, Okay. You know, I watched they, both. They didn't. Give me your thoughts. They didn't pull any punches. Uh, well, okay. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. They were a lot more honest than I expected them to be. How's that? Both shows. Well, Dark Side of the Ring was or exactly just, what I just expected. bio. The biography. The biography wasn't. They did bring up some negative aspects more so than I thought they would. But end of the day, right. what pisses me off the most is they painted Macho Man as more of a villain than they did the Ultimate Warrior, which is 100% bullshit. Agreed. Like his biography and everything they did for his version, and then how much you glorified 
the ultimate warrior. And I'm like, everybody, they said he was a fucking shitty wrestler and he, you know, he blew himself up on the way to the ring and he was hurting guys. And, um, it, I just read it something where Andre had to slap him really hard to put him in his place and be like, you got to learn, man. Like you're, you're going too fast. Kind of like how Lesnar needs Strowman in the head. Yeah, you got to get clocked. Right. Um, it was, yeah, okay, I th- I think it was a little more, they did touch on the negative, but I think that WWE was like, we have to show that we could talk about his bad side too. But, yeah, they spent way less on it than I thought they would. Yeah. No mention of a WCW run. Yeah, neither and show. And in Dark Side of the Ring, no fucking mention of the WCW run. I go, how do you not talk about that? How? You have Bischoff there. Yeah. I he was the guy that was fucking talking the most in this. Was, How do you not talk about it? I was really surprised about that. The biography focused a lot on his childhood and his upbringing. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. I did appreciate that because it was like a real biography. It wasn't really a wrestling show. It was, this guy was a wrestler, but we're going to tell you about his life. So I kind of dug that. Um, the Dark Side of the Ring one I enjoyed more. Um, I, I have heard. I, I agree. I, I've heard that some of that Jake the Snake's supposed to be in like a going for the world title was kind of bullshit. So uh, I am going to, I wanted to touch base on that. I have to touch base on that. He is full of shit. Yeah. I ultimate warrior won the title at WrestleMania six, mm-hmm. April of 1990 dropped the title January 91 to Sergeant slaughter. Mm-hmm. The match that he had put McMahon up for money for, was at SummerSlam Summer 91, Slam. where Hogan and Warrior tagged against Slaughter, Slaughter and Iron Shafa and uh, uh, Adnan, whatever whatever their names were. Yeah. Right. Because it was a handicap match. It was the uh, match made in heaven, match made in hell, because that's when Macho and Liz get married. Yep. For McMahon to then go, that just pushed you, or that just screwed your push later, or whatever. I'm like, well, that made no sense. That. What are you talking about? Because also, after that, Jake works with him even down the road then because then yep. Jake turns heel and does the whole where he has him throwing up, locked him in a fucking meat locker, whatever the fuck. All Showing that shit him the is, dark things. side of being a warrior or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Was Did Jake have a drinky? His math, his timing, all of it. Was off. Yeah. The only way it would have been that is if after SummerSlam 90, for some reason, some shit was going on when he walked off after or when he walked out as the champion after facing Rick Rude Mm -hmm. in a steel cage match. If something happened there, fine. But Jake, what you're talking about? Sounds like I don't think you were ever really in line to get a fucking title shot, man. Just to be honest with you. Yeah. He's like, he took a lot of money from my family. And then Jake going, I had a roll of quarters ready. I was right there. Yeah. Like, and then it, they show him it, just it, glad-handing him afterwards. Did, did you, I was going to say, did you see the real footage of mm-hmm. them together? He's yep. like, hey, hey, warrior, what's up, buddy? And I go, what? That's You just said, like. He came over like, hey, let, let's be friends. I'm very sorry about everything I did. Sorry I took money away from your family, blah, blah. I'm like. Doesn't sound like Jim Hellwig. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. They did touch base on his uh, going homophobic and yep. all that shit. You know, they they did touch base on that. Um, but no one touched WCW. Once they did that, I go. I know it was weird. I, as soon as they got to the Hall of Fame, I go, "How are you here? What? We're not doing that." 
it kind of bothered me. I was like, I want to know where all that was from. Like, what was going on with that? Um, I did not like his ex-wife. Oh, my God. She was an over-actor. Oh, yeah. Like, the the teaser, and then they even, they and you saw it. When he won the title, Jim Helwig didn't come home, and he was the ultimate warrior. You look at her, and I'm like, that was a forced cry. That looked fucking forced. Like, it looked forced completely. Right. Um, but the speculation is, you know, that whole, uh, she called and there was a woman in the background. Mm-hmm. People were like, well, maybe it was Dana Warrior. You didn't meet Dana until down the road. Right. Speculation. Was that Melanie Pellman? Oh, it's right. Time-wise. Yeah. Kind of made me wonder. I mean, it could have been just like a wrestling ring rat or whatever you want to call them. Right. Um, but it, but I don't know. I was trying to think. I'm like, oh, that's wait, interesting. A couple weeks back, we had this. Yeah, you know? fucking shit crosses over. Yeah, that's crazy. Not the best uh, dark side of the ring. It was all right. I, I was like, eh, yeah, it was okay. I did better. like I did like the one they showed, like the hidden video of uh, I know he was giving a speech and some kid was interviewing him. Must have asked him about steroids and. He goes, yeah. you know, and he like he didn't answer the question, but he's like, I want you to make it very clear that before I even got into bodybuilding, I weighed 290 pounds or something like that. I'm like, no, you didn't. You're going to tell me just lifting weights like you weighed 300 pounds almost of, of pure muscle? That's all it took. No, no. Nobody, nobody will take away that you were dedicated to getting that big, but his – his ex-wife did touch base on his anxiety and stuff. And I think anybody who's in a spotlight, anybody who's famous, you really end up having that issue because you can't just have minutes alone to yourself and be yourself. You know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah. You have to be on, especially if you're the world champ. Now you're doing autograph signings. Now you're doing appearances. So it does take a toll on you. It's why Shawn Michaels lost his fucking smile. Anyway, (laughs) um, you know what time it is for me uh, to do? You know what time it is for us to do? To bring something to the table. Just bring it, bitch! Oh my god! This week, mine is just short and sweet. Because I watched Collision in Korea, YouTube is like, hey, how would you like to see something else? And it said like 10, it was like 5 to 10 matches that turned into real shoot fights. Oh, my God. I never heard of this. And it was Antonio Inoki. Well, because of collision in Korea, right? That's why it was suggested. Against the great Antonio. Now, the great Antonio, if you don't know who he is, I mean, this is a big monster that he, like, he was a real big guy. He was pulling buses and things like that. They show you how strong this guy is. If you haven't seen this, please just go look this up. But the the... Antonio, the great Antonio. I got to make sure I'm saying this right. I know, right? Really There's two Antonio. Uh, Just say Antonio and Anoki. Um, so the great Antonio was not selling anything. I mean, like, it looked like uh, Inoki gave a, a drop kick to a brick wall. Like, nothing moved. And it was, like, not even a little bit. And Inoki was getting pissed. But then the great Antonio... Bends him over and starts giving him chops to his back or like right to his neck, and he was doing him too hard. 
motherfucker. You want to see Antonio Inoki say, fuck it, I'll show you a real shoot? Starts open-palming, bitch-slapping this dude hard in the ear, right in the dome, across the face. And he is making this fucking big dude stumble backwards. It's like seeing a Strowman get beat up by, like, uh, well, probably Lesnar. It's exactly what it really was like. You know, like someone getting their receipt the right way. Oh, my God. That's what I'm bringing to the table. Go find this. Look it up. Holy shit. I was like, ah, Noki, probably a nice guy, right? Because we see last week where we talk about it, the peace treaty, all this shit. <laughs> Do not fuck with Antonio Noki. That's all I want to say. He is a bad motherfucker. There you go. What are you bringing? Very nice. Uh, I just want to say my name is Joe, uh, a.k.a. ODM, and... I'm an Undertaker, Mark. If you listen to this show more than I thought than you were once, about to say you're an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that everybody knows that. Uh, so, yeah, man, I, I was listening to uh, Rogan with uh, Mark Calloway for like the 18th time. And, um, you know, I just started thinking about it. One of the things he's praised you're in love for. love with him? Yeah, what's that? <laughs> oh, okay. I said you're in love with him. <laughs> I already set him a mark, you know, so it's fine. Hey, you dream about CM Punk, I dream about Undertaker. What's the difference, right? So, <laughs> but, you know, Undertaker no was, comment. <laughs> Undertaker was always praised for uh, his ability to morph, right? Even though the character may not have changed a lot during several of those iterations, sure. he was constantly able to evolve and, and stay relevant. And here's the thing. Undertaker's gone. There's no more Undertaker. It's just Mark Calloway. But Mark Calloway now has become an extension of The Undertaker. He's in a career renaissance right now, and he's done wrestling. The Last Ride documentary, the Joe Rogan appearing on all these biographies, Stone Cold Sessions, um, he's been able to become a man. So it's just cool to see this renaissance that has nothing to do with in-ring work, but you're still getting to see him out there and enjoy what he brings to the table. Just posted a video of himself, uh, I think, like, working out or something like that and still looking in really good shape. If he ever comes back on a, if he, yeah, if he ever comes back on a Legends night, I want him to come out as, you know, biker. Yeah. You know, just come out on the bike. That's and, what we wanted for that uh, well, we got Survivor it for, Series night, man. Right. But, you know, he came out more as, you know, just old school Undertaker. Uh, but the best place to talk about the Undertaker is in his prime what would you say? Mid-90s, that the prime? Let's just go back to Monday Night Wars. Marty, you've got to come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. Well, what are you talking about? What happens to us in the future? Are we become assholes or something? Give me a hell yeah! You want a war? You're going to get me. Mick Foley is going to win their world title. Has been paid for by the New World Order. Come on, Vince. Step into the ring. My God, the battle lines have been drawn! D-Generation X invades WCW tonight! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Have a nice day! We got you! It is June 3rd. This one I got right. There was no pay-per-view. <laughs> I thought and we were going to do a pause so I could go take a piss. 
Ah, man. Fuck it. We're live, pal. We're going. You've already taken up enough of my time today. Hey, no, now. <laughs> now, we got a decently long top topics. So I figured, you know what? Raw Nitro, we could boogie through them. Yeah, Not a whole no lot really here. happened, but it was, it was pretty good. But yeah, go ahead. Talk about our Monday Night Wars this week, June 3rd, 1996. June 3rd, indeed. We'll start with Raw. Uh, they recap the ending of last week, Raw. Uh, your favorite segment ever. Um, <laughs> they they cut apparently to <laughs> Diana. Oh. <laughs> they they cut to what appears to be somewhat of a, a a live feed of Goldusk, who is basically doing the HBK Playgirl pose with the IC title. We'll get back to that. Uh, <laughs> Ahmed and Goldust are going to face off for the IC title at King of the Ring. Uh, we get to see Barb Spark Plug. Plug Holly against Stone Cold. Uh, another first round King of the Ring match. Uh, this is Austin. And this is kind of more behind the scenes. I think Ahmed Johnson probably got the the title shot because it's like, well, look, it either I go to HR or I get a title shot because he kissed me and I didn't I want don't that. think things worked that way back then, but we'll go <laughs> with it. Um, this is Austin's first match without DiBiase. It, it was okay. Uh, two competent workers, and beyond that, it wasn't much more than that. Uh, Austin's still using the million-dollar dream at this point. Yeah. Um, so uh, they go to commentary, and they're making f- they're talking about the uh, Warrior comic uh, in Destrucity. But uh, if you don't know... <laughs> I love that. They- <laughs> what does Destrucity mean? I love that they touch base on Biggest waste of a trip uh, ever. Dark side. So uh, King uh, drew his, if you don't know, Jerry the King Lawler is actually a really good artist, and he drew his own comic book cover. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Barry Horowitz versus Mankind is up next. I don't remember Horowitz coming out to Javi Nagila. I I didn't even know he had a fucking entrance theme, to be honest with you, until yeah. I saw this. I was like, okay. So, um, yeah. I was just happy to see Barry Horowitz, to be honest with you. But, yeah, the fact that he was coming out to that, yeah. Yeah, I, I did like uh, – so, JR comes to the ring afterwards. Obviously, you know, Mankind squashes him. Uh, JR comes to the ring, and a couple great lines from Mankind. You can't take my ear. It's already gone. Love that one. <laughs> love it. And then uh, this one I love. Of all the things I've lost, I think I missed my mind the most. And then he just starts squealing like a pig. Fucking great. Loved it. I'm like 90% sure he may be like memorized, remember, like remembered for that quote. I remember that too. The thing I, I miss the most is my mind. I, yeah. I remember that quote. That's, uh, good. Shit. Oh God. I miss old school mankind, to be honest with you. Hell yeah. When you see him like the this, initial one, when he was yeah. just a deranged lunatic that was just looking to hurt everybody and this squealing like a pig. Yeah. All of it. And it's like, God, it was such a good character at this time. Uh, so they do a little recap of the main event from In Your House, uh, Michaels and Bulldog. They're, they're pushing that a lot throughout the evening. Who cares? It's lazy booking or whatever. Um, we got a we, we got our Gold Dust promo uh, where he's being interviewed while he's laying on his golden bed with the title covering his junk and wearing fishnets. Uh, let's see here. I'm just going to read my notes as they are, okay? And then you can chime sure. In. Taste of chocolate. Uh, keep in mind, he, Goldust is doing a promo on Ahmed Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Big burly black yeah. dude. Okay. I just want to put that out there. If you don't know and you're listening, you need a visual. Big black dude. Think of um, Ving Rhymes. Ving. 
<laughs> Come on, man. Yes. Okay, we're going to go Put with them that. side by side in their prime. Either one of Ahmed's them more could have played but, yeah. baby Jody's daddy or stepdaddy. <laughs> or the new version of Kojak, I mean. All right, so. Or Animal. So, yeah. So, Golda says, taste of chocolate in the mouth is exhilarating. And then he licks the chocolate bar. Yikes. I literally out loud go, Jesus. And then um, and then he says, Ahmed Johnson will melt in my hand this time, not in my mouth. Double yikes. And that's all I have written. Would you like to add anything to that? Nope, nope, nope. I, your yikes. I just said Jesus. <laughs> I literally I go, Jesus. And then the second one I go, the fuck, Jesus, dude! Like, <laughs> That's exactly what I did. Uh, Godwins uh, took on Techno Team 2000. Uh, Titties, oh, I mean Sunny, was on commentary. Um, the Body Donnas are looking for a new manager, and they actually put an address on the screen that you could write into to be the Body Donnas manager. Did okay. you write in? I did. I did. I did. Not I back then. I'm saying I still did it today. <laughs> I might be a little late on this one, Vinny Mac, but uh, <laughs> yeah. do, do you think Body Donna's are still looking for a manager? Yeah, you never know. You never know. Uh, I never realized Phineas used duct tape as his wrist tape. Oh, that was really interesting. I happen to catch that. I did not. Yeah. Wow. That's straight up duct tape. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Uh, the story is Phineas is distracted by Sonny the entire time. Um, it is funny. Sonny called Billy Gunn hot lips at one point, which I thought is hilarious given his, you know future career so thought that was pretty interesting uh they, they it's true yep they do a, a little brief uh, segue uh clarence mason the lawyer for camp Cornet, uh claiming that gorilla monsoon assaulted him basically just put his hand on him and you know moved him over to the side so hilarious uh and then we've got a another first round uh king of the ring matches our finale it's Triple H versus Jake Roberts, and the first thing that I wrote in the notes is, wonder who wins this one. Right. Uh, King's creeping on Triple H's valet. Big surprise. Um, at one point, McMahon asked Lawler, do you know, or no, he's told Lawler to ask the valet, do you know, what do you think of Triple H's protruding proboscis? <laughs> Which is basically another way to say big nose. Uh, the best part of this like this match was a waste the commentary mcmahon openly calls out diesel and razor being uh putting on a ruse starting trouble with another promotion straight up calls it out um and then they actually do a superstar superstar line commercial and if you hit option six you can listen to Vince McMahon respond to billionaire Ted's latest corporate raid. I don't remember any of that. I didn't either. And I go, what the fuck? And I go, when he was like, they're on a, on a ruse. And I was like, um, and then calling them obviously diesel and Kevin Nash, um, uh, or diesel and, and uh, razor, uh, Ramon. Uh, uh, razor Ramon. Right. I, I, I was like, do you think he was like trying to get back in contact with him? Like, guys, 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 I'll give you whatever the fuck you want. Give it, go over here. Don't do this. Don't do it. Come here. Just knock this you know shit I mean? off. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I just think like that's, I feel like that's what he was trying to do because like he was, 
either A, you don't talk about it, or B, if you do, you're like, you would be like, fuck those two pricks, we don't need them anymore. You wouldn't be like, oh, they're just pulling a ruse and also calling them by their stage names. Right. Just found that. It's just, you know. Because they haven't so, been named yet at this point in WCW. They haven't said Scott Hall. They haven't said Razor Ramon. If Vince was smart, Bischoff has already given your results. We've heard him do this a couple of times already while doing these wars. I was Vince at that time. You should have been like, oh, yeah, that guy's name is Scott Hall. And without being a Razor Ramon kind of Scarface gimmick, he's nothing. I would. You should have got the leg up on competition. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You're, that's a big player that's been over so there. Fast. No, it's well, yet he, he had six days to respond. Seven, yeah. technically. Yeah, but Vince was, you know, still not. But being like, the fact that they were. They're, those guys are putting on a roof, those rascals. Listen, the fans fell for him like a blind roofer. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> oh, I love that one. <laughs> Got to get him when you can. So, honestly, that is... Pretty- I was going to blow my nose for, like, 30 straight seconds and be like, all right, I'm done. I was going to put in a, a handkerchief from one ear to the other and go back and forth, but, you know, I, I don't want to take the headphones <laughs> off. I got no ear canals. Blown off in Vietnam. 64. <laughs> I got to go take a whiz. I only have half my bladder left. Lost the other half in Korea. <laughs> all right, man. Coming. I told I'm you. I'm fine with them all right now. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah, no, it's, it's, that's I'm with you. All right. So that was it for Raw, man. That's how it ended. It was, it was kind of a that, flat And ending. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a screwy one. So what is WCW going to do now right, that well, last week yeah, we, we had this so-called rascal this this intruder yeah uh, well you know keep in mind uh, it's our second week of a two-hour show main event's going to be steiners versus luger and sing for the tag titles based on last week's result uh we also get promised the return of the rock and roll express i was rather excited when i heard that at the top of the hour so uh, didn't even know that that happened yep so good shit there uh very interesting uh we had big bubba uh, in, in the middle of the ring and uh, Shark comes out, but it's not Shark. He doesn't have the Shark singlet. It's the same colors, just no graphics. He doesn't have teeth. Wait, Big Bubba. Who was he before? Oh, oh shit. What the fuck was his name? Oh, I was trying to come up with something else. If you ever take a trip down oh, to Cobb Jesus. County, That's Georgia, right. Ben, yeah. look at Callback. Way to go. Way to go there. <laughs> just wanted to sing again. My God, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to yeah. have a hat trick for boss, man. No shit. Yeah. All right, let's go. Yeah, we're just going to have nothing but hat trick bumpers. Uh, so uh, the shark basically says he didn't cut his hair. It's still half shaved for a reason. He wants to be reminded anymore. And then he says, uh, it, uh, keep in mind, Big Bubba's in the ring with shark's hair. I guess that's why he took it with him the week before. Uh, but he says, I'm not the shark. I'm not a fish. I'm not an avalanche. I'm a man. My name is John Tenta. I was like, all right. All right. Uh, one hilarious part that uh, during the match, Zabisco says that's a 10 on the Richter scale. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, and then they it's also... Like, not a fish. And then Shivani starts talking shit because he's talking about if you've seen an ad for an upcoming house show for WCW featuring Johnny B. Bad and Vader, they no longer play where the big boys play. Because if you remember... Johnny B. Bad, yeah. a.k.a. Mark Miro, and Vader are in WWE at this time. 
So why are, did they have a promo that like accidentally aired somewhere? It was no, it was a newspaper ad, and they probably never updated the copy after they left. Wow, that's kind of funny. Card subject to change. Holy shit! <laughs> See. <laughs> Tenna wins by count. Which is funny it. because it's it's not like it necessarily backfired on them, but it is kind of funny right after the Scott Hall incident. You're like, <laughs> shit. I, our older guys are having ads over here. Now, God damn it. We got to address that. Like Vince right. had to address your ship, and now you have to address something that's on your end. Interesting. Yep. Uh, Tenna wins by count out. Bubba pulls an early Ernie lad. Uh, that's about it. Uh, after that, we've got basically a squash match. Faces a fear defeat high voltage. Really not yep. much else to say. Uh, after this, we get a backstage promo with Mean Gene, Sting, and Luger. They're still teasing that dissension. Sting's basically saying, why did you get? Why did you interfere in the match? And, you know, Steiner's barging, and they just start calling each other out. I love seeing angry Mean Gene like a pissed-off grandmother. Yeah, I'm going to get the wooden Knock spoon if you guys can't get along. You know, it was it's just he hilarious. Does. Um, ne- next. funny when you say Sting and Luger, I'm like, oh, so scared. Yeah, <laughs> I- I'm glad you enjoyed that so much. That was one of my favorite lines too. To be quite honest, it was you. perfect. Uh, we get a-, a video package uh from Hulk saying he wants the title. Big surprise. Can't do that, brother. <laughs> uh, next we get Disco Inferno versus Sergeant Craig Pep Craig Pittman. Uh, first note that I wrote, apparently Disco is big with the Cougars. Yeah. <laughs> they were, like, pushing that pretty hard. Because they show the crowd and, woof, yikes. Well, it is their music. I mean, uh, at that time, think about when Disco was. We're in the 90s. Those Cougars, they're probably, what, 20, 25 years deep into, deeper into life when, from their part of your uh, years. Sure. So. It's about right. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> feel uh, the night, feel the night, feel the Disco botches an arm drag. Lulls. Uh, Caught that. Yep. Uh, Teddy Long messes up Disco's hair while he's in the corner, and Disco quits before he even puts the code red on because he doesn't want to hurt his arm so he can still dance. Hooray. Dancing is all in the arms. I guess so. Legs. It's that stupid fucking wave thing, you know? Uh, yeah. So uh, a little teaser for uh, Regal and Sting. Basically, they were having an interview, and Regal just slaps him. I love that we're getting so much Steven Regal over the last couple of weeks. He's fucking fantastic. I love when he does the flex, but then he pushes up on the bicep to make it look bigger. I fucking love that. Um, I used to do that when I was a kid. I still yeah. do it today. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I want you to know that I have this written phonetically in my notes, so I get it right. Uh, it's Lord Steven Regal with Jeeves versus Jim Duggan. Uh, Blue Bloods come out as a distraction. Duggan gets the tape out, uh, and Regal gets a roll-up. Um, they do uh, the interview and ring afterwards with the Blue Bloods. Uh, Regal gets reprimanded for slapping Sting. And Regal says, I paid double the fine, so I'm on bloody credit. Fucking loved it. Loved I love that line. It was awesome. I was like... I didn't even know Regal said funny shit like this back in the day. I know, right? I'm like, I thought it was later down the road that he was, like, funnier. I always thought he was just very, just straight at, and I'm going to fight you. I didn't think he was ever really witty. 
That was a good fucking line. <laughs> yeah, it was fucking great. I'm on bloody credit. Uh, next is, uh, I-, I guess you say bittersweet kind of thing. Uh, we're getting the beginning of the Benoit Taskmaster feud. Um, yeah. They kind of just go over it. A lot of the promos were cut on Saturday nights. Uh, so, you know, again, goes back to why those shows were important. Uh, and they're going to have the match coming up at Great American Bash. Pinfalls count anyway. I wonder how that will turn out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's uh, some info on that somewhere. Uh, after that, uh, we did have Taskmaster versus Prince Iakea. It was a squash. A uh, little promo and ring. Um, fucking Kevin Sullivan says there's two wars in WCW. Let the legal department handle the first one. The second one is that Hulkamania is not dead. And Sullivan again references Pillman, and they actually show... Uh, a clip of the Booker Man segment, yep. which is cool because nice. WWE has that amnesia fucking memory where they just forget things that happen and act like they never happen. WCW was openly calling shit out. Uh, there was another really cool thing because as they're talking about this on the hard cam to the right, somebody had a Brian Pillman fan club sign. I didn't catch that, actually. Yeah, pretty fucking You cool. know, it's, it's funny because... I just lost my train of thought. Goddamn chicken nuggets. Um, oh, lost it. It was about what you were just saying about the WWE wouldn't Selective memory. Jesus Christ. Talk about memory. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, I could never be an announcer for WWE because they'd be like, this is the first time they faced. Nah, man, they fought like fucking two months. Ago. I know, right? About? Like, <laughs> it's. I don't like selective memory. Yeah, my memory really kicked in on that one. Jesus, that was you want to talk about selective. <laughs> See, it was a perfect example. Uh, next, we did we did, we get that Rock and Roll Express match that's against Flair and Arn Anderson. Uh, Flair's wearing a Kevin Green jersey. Double A has mm-hmm. a Mongo jersey on. Uh, Liz and Woman have to help Arn get the jersey off. Like they literally have to pull it off of him. It's fucking hilarious. It was like five sizes too small. They had the. But I think night- also. Once you're sweating and you know you're hot in, in that, you know, like, it's just a motherfucker to get off at that point. But it, yeah, it was so. a funny thing to see. So, and it, and it plays in later. Uh, they have a timer for the start of the second hour of Nitro. It's kind of cool that they didn't plan the segment. And they just cut over from Shivani to Heenan and Bischoff uh, right at the beginning of the match. So, uh, VIP section back in full effect. Don't care for this week's tablecloth selection. Um, apparently, Heenan. <laughs> I didn't know that you were really so... <laughs> Into what they've been using. For I've been paying loss. attention, man. I've been paying attention. Heenan is considering managing Flair and Arn Anderson for the match against Mongo and Green. Um, they do the double figure four spot where Morton and Gibson get it on Arn and, and Flair. Um, yeah, man, it, it's basically, uh, you know, it was a solid match. Uh, you know, these guys have worked together before. We all love them. We know what they can do in the ring. Really good match. Uh, nothing I'm going to tell you to search out, but, you know, one to pay attention to if you're watching this episode of Nitro. Uh, basically, uh, you know, the big rub is after the match, uh, the interview with Mean Gene. And basically, Arn Anderson said he was apparently too big and thick to play football because that jersey barely fit, and his 10-year-old was almost too big for it. <laughs> but the best part is, and I... 
more trivia that I was not aware of. Heenan comes out and he says he is not going to manage them because he promised himself he would never manage again. And then he opens up a briefcase that he brought with him, and it is his his all Madden award, and he is going to coach Flair and Arn Anderson. So for those of you not familiar with the all Madden team, John Madden, when he was alive, would basically pick somebody from each position. Well, in 1989, maybe, Madden picked Bobby the Heenan as the coach. Heenan, Bobby the Heenan? Yeah, Heenan was not a football player. He did not coach football. Apparently, Nick Bockwinkle went to the same high school as John Madden. And as you know, Heenan managed Nick Bockwinkle in the AWA. So I think that's why he was actually, and it legitimately was on the All-Madden team as a coach. I didn't know that, to be honest with you. I swear to God, I didn't know any of this. But the fact that he, I thought it was just funnier that he was like, but I am going to coach him. I'm like, that's excellent. That's a great Bobby Heenan thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, we, we get another uh, Hogan promo, uh, hyping Nitro and WCW and TNT, basically. Uh, and then we get another Glacier promo. Yay. Uh, and I then. cold after it. Another Hogan video package. That's three. Coincidental? Um, yeah, nope, I don't think so. <gasps> uh, three <laughs> promos. I'm the third man. Anyway. Yeah, right. uh, Ice Train took on the giant chokeslam. One, two, three. Norton comes out, gets yep. chokeslammed twice. Um, giant gets pissed off, basically saying, why are you still running Hogan packages? So setting that up. So that was solid. I mean, that made sense after that. I kind of dug that. Um, and basically, uh, Giant's looking to take Luger out. It was a solid promo. Uh, Giant has a pretty good run so far, I think. You know? I, like I said, man, every week he's in the spotlight, main event, pretty much, and beating the fuck out of everybody. So that's how you should be making a champion look. Yep, yep. Uh, all right, so next, so right after that, keep in mind we've got Ice Train and, and um, Scott Norton have been taken out. Norton. Orton? Norton. Uh, it's supposed to be Scott Norton versus Hugh Morris. Uh, but, you know, Norton is still down. Uh, Morris comes out and <laughs> it. that's That's humorous. Oi vey, put in the cricket bumper. <laughs> oh, we got We're going to have that bumper now, too? All right, go ahead. So, so basically, the whole idea is Morris is supposed to get an easy win here. Uh, Morris goes for a moonsault. Norton tries to catch him, drops him, and pins him. So there was that. It looked like a botch. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It more looked, than it did, like like that. It was planned to happen. It looked more like oh, a yeah. botch. It definitely uh, looked like a definitely looked like a botch. Maybe he had walleye vision. I don't know. Um, we had another Mongo in green video package. They're taking bumps as practice, and they're actually trying to draw up game plans. Uh, and green can only seem to think in football terms and mentions getting a coach, and they suggest macho. All while, Kevin Green is eating a Slim Jim. You can't make this shit up. I did get a screen grab. <laughs> You'll see it. I can't fucking wait. I can't fucking <sighs> wait. All right. So, here we go. Steiner. Hall while eating a Slim Jim. <laughs> it is fucking gold. Just gold. Okay, sorry. It's gold, Jerry. Gold. 
Main event, Steiner Brothers versus Sting and Luger for the Tag Team Championships. Uh, we get a phone call from Macho, who basically says uh, the, the documents that WCW has filed say he can't wrestle, uh, but doesn't say he can't coach. So Macho is going to coach Green and Mongo. Wow. Oh, my um, God. Giant ends up coming out during this match. Uh, terrible weak choke slam to Rick. I get it. He wasn't trying to hurt him, so that's okay. It just it looked like shit. Obviously, the match gets called. Uh, so you got Rick Steiner, Sting, and Luger. They all go after the Giant, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, after that, uh, they're starting to wrap it up on commentary with Heenan and Bischoff. Uh, and as we do. Chico, as we do, which I like, I like, you know. I'm sorry, yes, go ahead. No, what, what, like as we do. Well, I'm saying as, as, as I'm do. saying as they as they do as oh, yeah. they do is what I meant. Yeah, as, instead of just going off the I, air, I like they do it every week, right? Yeah, with yeah. some random shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, Scott Hall shows up again. Uh, this is the famous one where uh, you know, I was telling him, "Hey, just relax, Chico," and then Sting comes up and they kind of have the back and forth and. Uh, Sting tells Hall, you're in the jungle, baby. I'm like, all right, a little Guns N' Roses, all right. A little past that time, but okay. Uh, it challenges Hall you know, on the spot, and he says, you got to fight. 1989 called. They want their song. Yeah, I know. Back. I was going to say, you're a little late on that one, but that's okay. Um, this is where Scott Hall flicks the toothpick at Sting. Sting slaps him. Uh, cops come out real quick, and Hall teases a big surprise for next week. It's probably the Yeti. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's funny though is that if we had paid attention, I guess it, you, I guess you would have already known it was going to be Nash, considering McMahon is like pre-talking about it. Right. But I didn't even catch it. Hmm. Yeah. What you can do to ki- kids at kayfabe? <laughs> mm-hmm. Pulling the wool over my eyes. They're pulling a roost. Honey, I'll still just work for WWF because that's pretty much what people were still possibly thinking at this point. Some, you know. Sure. Good shit. Can't wait for next week. Who's the big surprise? Hope it is the Yeti. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for... This week's top topic. You know something, Mean Gene? John Cena. Wrestling's not fake. The Rolex wearing what? Diamond ring wearing what? Kiss stealing. Woo! Wheel and dealing. What? Limousine right. What? Jet flying. What? Son of a gun. Woo! Sierra Hotel. India. Echo. Lima. Delta. Shield. If you Following ranking order and final decisions are a completely bias-based order. Based off, the professor and ODM made it. And as always, they like to let you know they have not worked in the business, but have been lifelong invested fans much like you, our listeners. With not only their opinions involved, but with countless amount of hours of research done each week, they make sure to provide proper facts and history to back it up. However, they do know that your opinion may vary from theirs. If there is anything you want to chat about, bring to their attention. If there is something they missed or forgot, or you just want to let them know they are out of their freaking minds, feel free to shoot them a message on Facebook or Twitter, or email them at the top of wrestling at gmail.com. As always, they do appreciate all feedback and continued support. At the end of the day, they want to make sure that you do see the best of the best before you die. And now, this week's top topic. I, I love you in Wall, Wall Street. Street. 
Oh, what a great father and son <laughs> moment. Not too many of those that you get to see. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <sighs> Let's plan the attack right here. Sir, that's Minnesota. That's great. <laughs> Bring them on over. We'll do it here at home. <laughs> oh, crap. There goes my hat. Tell him to circle back. I'll pick it up. <sighs> Tell them to bring their families. We'll teach them to skate. Oh, I got to think of everything. <laughs> All right, here we are. It is the top topic of the week. Again, I told you at the beginning, I started with 25, and 25 was just a touch too hard to to manage where I was like, I think this one could fit at 25 or 24. Do I have to have 17 honorable mentions? So I didn't want to fool you and say, Hey, it's a top 10, but here are 17 honorable mentions, you know? So here's exactly what it's going to be. The top 50 pay-per-views and one honorable mention. (laughs) WrestleMania backlash. All right. Guess what pay-per-view won't be making it that one. Yep. Um, all right, here is how my criteria went down for this and how we worked with this. You got to look at the card from top to bottom. You know, some look great on paper, by the way. When you really think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, this person versus this. But sometimes if you have a lack of the crowd energy or the chemistry in the ring, things take a toll and makes it a little hard to make each match either better than the next or whatever the case could be to have a stellar pay-per-view to say that one is the best of all time. So I'm looking at buy rates. I'm looking at uh, crowd uh, reaction, participation, however you want to call it, you know, how into it they were. (laughs) Apparently collision North Korea is not making this one. (laughs) And also really looking at, you know, the just overall perception of what everybody really feels as, you know, the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Cause there are a lot of really great pay-per-views that are out there. Um, you know, thinking you got one thing I'm going to say, you have bash at the beach, 96, right? What is it known for? NWO, right? Royal rumble, 92 flares, win dominion, 2018 Omega Okada two with two out of three falls. And it's like, well, why didn't that make it? That was like over an hour of the pay-per-view, right? Whereas the pay-per-view wasn't as great. You know what I'm saying? Right. Those are one-trick ponies. They relied on one match, in a way, to carry that entire night. And these pay-per-views are ones that had multiple matches, multiple storylines, a lot going on. So let's just dive right in. I'm just going to say honorable mention is only just because it's a personal favorite of mine. I'll tell you guys every week if I have to. Go watch Survivor Series 1989. Just listen to the list of names just alone. You got Hogan, Warrior, Demolition, Heart Foundation, Bad News Brown, Ted DiBiase, Savage, Zeus, Andre, Brainbusters, Rockers, Red Rooster, Perfect, Heenan, Haku, Dusty, Jake Roberts, Rick Rude, Hacksaw, Jim, uh, or, uh, 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 Greg Valentine, Honky Tonk Man, uh, Piper, Bushwhacker, Snooka, Rujos. I mean, it's just. It's kind of like a 1989 just classic. Everybody's all there on the same night. Not going to be your stellar wrestling, but it's just everybody was all there. They were kind of progressing storylines a little bit because you had Savage and Dusty were fighting. You also had Hogan and Zeus are still going at it and all that shit. So, I mean, it's not the best pay-per-view of all time, but I said honorable mention was going to be my favorite. Nostalgia. You actually have a favorite. Let me ask you that. I have That's a, a random favorite. catching you off guard. Wow, yeah, you're definitely catching me off guard there. 
Uh, it's probably one from this list. I mean, honestly, if I had so to. So I'll tell you uh, what, when we come up to it, maybe you, you could tell us as we come up to it, maybe. Yeah, I definitely know what it is. I can tell you right now it's a SummerSlam. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's get going here at number 50. Man, we last time I feel like we did a 50 count was like when we did like top 50 stables. And I feel like that podcast took like half a day. All right. <laughs> at number 50, we have the Survivor Series 2001. This is the culmination of the invasion. The winner takes all. Uh, it, which is what they kept saying. And your main event was Undertaker, Kane, Rock, Chris Jericho, and Big Show taking on Shane McMahon, yay, Booker T, <laughs> RVD, Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Kurt Angle. And, of course, we get that great turn, of course. You know what's great is that at the end of it, Austin turns, and, and or Angle turns, I believe it is, and uh, Big Show didn't. No shit. Of all the people that turned in this match, Big Show wasn't one of them. Goddamn shocked. But also on this on this night, if you won, you got to keep your match. So if you were on WCW side, even though they lost, you got to keep your match. If you, in your own match earlier in the night, won. Example is the Dudley boys were technically on the invasion side, right? And they beat the Hardys. So they get to keep their job. Both teams get to advance, and they had a great steel cage match. So, coming at number 49, Royal Rumble 2001. This is Austin's big return after neck surgery, and he finally wins the match that's going to send him into facing The Rock at WrestleMania 17. And you know that, you know, to him, this is the big part for him. You know, it's a big comeback, and they've been kind of pushing that a lot in the Royal Rumble. This Royal Rumble is probably a little more different than any other one. The amount of fucking uh hardcore uh weapons in the ring in this match alone is just it's ridiculous how much was done in this match but attitude era but also this night for the world title you had Triple H and Kurt Angle we also had Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit in a ladder match for the Intercontinental title Dudley's took on Edge and Christian and in a storyline driven match which I had to bring up because I will again later is Ivory versus China. The match is like three minutes long. China's beating the piss out of Ivory. She does one move and hurts herself, and China goes down, and they carry her out on a stretcher as if she broke her neck. I forgot about this. It was a really good moment. I remember seeing it, too, and you because she was crying when they were carrying her out. They were doing the right thing, you know, getting right in there with the camera. And she goes, oh, my God, hello, anybody? And she, she couldn't move. She was saying she couldn't move her feet and stuff. I was like, God damn. I'm like, I remember watching this and having, like, a party at the house and people watching it. I'm like, I wonder how much we really bought that back in the day. I'm like, because it looked real enough. I do remember that. Coming in at number 48, Vengeance 2005. One of the very best Hell in a Cell matches I feel, underrated of all time, is Batista defending his world title against Triple H. He won it at WrestleMania just several months prior, but now they're fighting in Hell in a Cell. It was a great hard-hitting match and probably one of Batista's best matches of all time, I personally think. Also that night, we get Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle Part 2. Again, another rematch from WrestleMania. And also on this night, we get John Cena 
versus Christian versus Chris Jericho for the WWE world title, or just WWE title, because the world title was with Batista and Triple H. We also have Kane and Edge taking on each other, and in a real good match, Shelton Benjamin versus Carlito. I know, it doesn't sound like something you hear often to say in a really good match, but it was actually a good back-and-forth match. Number 47, actually one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time, is WWE Breakdown. Two awesome triple threat matches. The first is in a steel cage. It's Rock, Mankind, and Ken Shamrock. Winner is the number one contender for the title. In the main event, it's Austin versus Taker versus Kane. And this is the infamous one where both Taker and Kane pin Austin. And they take off. And Austin, if he didn't win this night, was going to get fired. McMahon fires him there on the spot. That's the the screw you, you're fired. That was the the night of it. Right. Um, also that night in the opening match, Edge took on Owen Hart. Oh, I remember this too, because Edge is green at this point, not green, but new to WWE at this point or WWF. He only debuted, I think like May, June, July of 98. And here he is taking on Owen in an opening match. We talked about it before, how an opening match, you need to lift a crowd, right? Especially how Paige and Cage did it. I think these guys did that on this night. We also have the continuation storyline where Marlena is, or now just officially Terry, and she is with Val Venus, and they tongue-fuck each other in the middle of the ring after the match, after he beats her ex-man, Dustin. I don't know how you do this. Kind of the same with Sullivan and Woman and and Benoit. You know what I mean? Like, why would you put yourself into these scenarios? This isn't what broke up Dustin and Terry, but Jesus Christ. You know, like, even if, not saying it, but like, you and Mrs. ODM split. Even if you're being paid millions of dollars, would you sit there and watch her kiss someone else? Fuck that shit. After you also lost the match, too? Sorry, man. I just bring emotion in. All right, yeah, yeah. I can, I can look at you. It's a valid point. This is ODM. (laughs) Forty-six. WWE One Night Stand in two thousand and six. This is the night that John Cena faced probably his most hostile crowd ever. Um, and this is the Hammerstein Ballroom. Oh no, was this in Philly? Did he just in Philly? Philly, I think so. Yeah. Okay. And this is where RVD officially wins the WWE title. This night also saw Mysterio versus Sabu, Taz versus Jerry Lawler, Randy Orton versus Kurt Angle, because at this point, Kurt Angle is the ECW brand, and Orton is extremely anti uh, ECW. And then also, we get Edge, Lita, and Mick Foley. And Edge and, and Foley just fought each other at WrestleMania just a couple months prior to this, but they teamed up to face the evil that is ECW, and they take on Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk, and Beulah McGillicuddy. And Edge even makes his way into the main event later, pulling an old-school Rick Rude move with the uh, motorcycle bike helmet on. Oh, God, I always love that part where he comes in, helps RVD win the title. 45. I don't know how much, how deep we're going to talk about this right now because we're going to be talking about it very soon. But Fall Brawl 1996, 
Hogan, Hall, Nash, and Sting, what? Against Flair, Luger, Anderson, and Sting. <laughs> Weird. I feel like I just said that like uh, Christopher Walken. Sting. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so I. <laughs> but it's the NWO Sting, and this is where it's really starting to become whose side is Sting really on WCW or NWO. They've been playing to that for quite some time. Also, you have Giant versus Savage, Mysterio versus Super Callow, Jericho versus Benoit in a uh, uh, just one on one. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm sorry. Take that back. Jericho and Benoit in a submission match. And then after that, we have Ice Train and Scott Norton. So, uh, spoiler to our Monday Night Wars. Hell, mm. hell of a lot going on. <laughs> Jericho's not even in WCW at this point. So, yeah. But then also to see Ice Train and Norton, I go, uh, aren't they team right now? <laughs> Didn't even know this happened. All right. I mean, I knew they broke up at some point, but. Geez, like I didn't know, like it was pretty quick in '96. Still, yeah. Um, all right, coming in at number 44. Now, TNA makes their way into this list with Destination X 2012. Do you remember how, if you had the X Division title and you won, uh, I think if you had the X Division title, you could try to cash in to become a world champion or try to do that whole thing? Well. That's where it all became a thing was from Austin Aries. He said he created option C, which is to drop the X Division title just to get a world title shot. And that's what he did against Bobby Roode. Also that night, we have a vacant X Division title tournament. Eight men, and they actually had that many matches filled in all the way for a title tournament winner. Also this night, the Bound for Glory series match, which I used to love that uh, TNA did, where they kept points going throughout several months. And, you know, the winner was the one that goes on to Bound for Glory, the WrestleMania of TNA, to become the number one contender. Lost art. Whoever, I, I feel like AEW, stop copying your WCW shit. Try that. That's a cool fucking concept. Yeah. Um, but also this night, in a last man standing match, AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. 43, we've talked a little bit about before. We've talked about in the stables, and we've talked about, uh, I believe, when it came to some of the other Ring of Honor stuff. But we have Man Up in 2007. The Briscoes versus Kevin Steen and El Generico. This is the one where Age of the Fall then debut later, which is Jimmy Jacobs, Brody Lee, uh, Seth Rollins, all those guys. So, and that's where they bathe him in blood. Oh, amazing, amazing, amazing moment. One of my favorite of all time. Um, but that night, Takeshi Morishima defended the ring and retained his Ring of Honor title against Brian Danielson. You also get Claudio Castanelli, which is Cesaro, versus Nigel McGuinness, versus Chris Hero, versus uh, Marafuji. And then we also get Davey Richards versus Austin Aries. Pretty packed card. A lot of great guys. Say, a lot yeah. of it's 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 almost you know what we'd want to see today, <laughs> um, but it was all just done right in Ring of Honor in one night. Um, sorry, man. I'm parched. Yeah, you got to refresh, man. It's a long list. Yeah, it is, and we're only at forty-two. But this is a match that's talked about 
pretty often because if there's one man who's going to talk about it, it is Mr. King of Bubbly himself, Chris Jericho. Because on this night at Vengeance 2001, he defeated not only The Rock, but Steve Austin in the same night and becomes the undisputed champion. Also on this night, which is great, by the way, those matches went back to back to back. Mm -hmm. No promos. They did one main promo and they went three matches back to back. No hesitation. I absolutely love it. It's like almost like an hour straight of just wrestling. And it's just to me, I, I love that concept, how they did that ending. Uh, but we also have Big Show and Kane tagging up against the Dudleys. We had a Hardy versus Hardy match. And for the hardcore title, Rob Van Dam is the challenger to The Undertaker. Put that together. Right. Big Burger Red. <laughs> right. Um, Number 41. This is actually one of my favorite SummerSlams of all time. Yeah, this is the one it I was looking towards. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, good for you. I'm for real very happy that that is for real. Madison Square Garden, 1998. It is SummerSlam. It's the highway to hell as Undertaker is the challenger to Steve Austin for the world title. Triple H is the challenger to Rock for the Intercontinental title in a uh, ladder match. We also have Kane, and I put Mankind in quotes because Kane took out his own partner and then still fucking took on New Age Outlaws. It was a weird whole fucking thing, but New Age Outlaws. <laughs> um, but a hair versus hair match. X-Pac versus Jeff Jarrett. And we even had a Lion's Den match with Owen Hart versus Ken Shamrock. Dope pay-per-view. Hell yeah. Yeah, no shortage of names the there for sure. You know? Right. No, everybody's in this. And the ones who weren't on the card made their way into the card. Mark Henry was a part of the ladder match, and so was China. Like, they both had, like, parts where they were getting involved. A lot of things. It was a lot of components, but everybody was involved. Uh, Val Venus versus D'Lo Brown in the opening match for the uh, European title. A lot of great stuff going on in this one. Great pay-per-view. Um, again, you know, with this with this list, I had to try to take emotions out of this because I'm I'm used to being like, well, man, SummerSlam 98, that should be, like, top three. <laughs> but that's my own. Number 40. Okay, we're almost there. Quarter of the way. <laughs> Fifth of the way. Um, it is Final Battle 2012. Now, it's funny because I wish I could put it in the order of uh, chronological because the storyline would make sense for this later down the sure. road. But if, at Final Battle 2012, it is Ladder War. Kevin Steen is defending his Ring of Honor world title against... El Generico. Also this night, we got Matt Hardy versus Adam Cole. Roderick Strong versus Michael Elgin. The American Wolves, which is Davey Richards, Eddie Edwards, taking on Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. And then in a New York City street fight, Rhett Titus and BJ Whitmer taking on the world's greatest tag team, which is Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. I solidly remember this pay-per-view, and I remember there's not one match you'd want to skip through. All of it was just great. You even had a very young Tommaso Ciampa in this in the uh, opening contest. Nice. A lot of great stuff. 
number 39. Now we're back in the WWE, and we go back to the Survivor Series, which is in 2002, where it is the very first ever Elimination Chamber, which is the concept of Eric Bischoff, supposedly, as the GM. And in this match, we got Triple H, Booker T, Kane, Rob Van Dam, Shawn Michaels, and Jericho. So where Michaels gets his one and only world title win after his uh, time off for the four years after, you know, retired and coming back. Right. And this is also the night where Rob Van Dam crushes the living shit out of Triple H's, Triple throat. H's throat with his knee. <laughs> I shouldn't. They expanded the roof on the cage after that. They're like, oh, you need room to jump off. (laughs) Bad move. Uh But also this night we had Brock Lesnar versus Big Show. And in a weird turn of events, Paul Heyman turns on Brock Lesnar and sides with Big Show. Still don't understand that one. Uh, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit, who are your tag champs for SmackDown, defend against Edge and Rey Mysterio and Los Guerreros. And in your women's match, which is kind of a big grudge match that's been going on with a feud on Raw for the last several weeks, is Victoria and Trish Stratus. That's but I remember this feud in 2002 it was pretty hot. Um, like they, it was probably one of the first times I'd seen women's wrestling actually push the right way when it came to letting them actually just wrestle in in at least WWE. Right. Um, even though they still went to pillow fights after this still this is one of the first times they ever really did it uh coming up next we have back to tna turning point 2005 they come in at number 38 world title matches jeff jarrett versus rhino your x division title matches samoa joe versus aj styles america's most wanted versus team 3d in a tables match Christian Cage versus Monty Brown. Do you remember Monty Brown? Oh, that dude was a fucking powerhouse. Um, We also had Sabu versus Abyss in a barbed wire massacre. And Team Canada took on the four live crew. Um, From there, we also have uh, at number 37, it is Final Battle 2011. Remember I said about the chronological order thing, it'd be much easier to do this. Right. Um, that's because, as I said, the year before is, or I'm sorry, the year after is when you had Kevin Steen taken on El Generico. He's the world champion in, in 2012, but in 2011, he's fighting to get his job back. The GM at this time, or the person kind of in charge, is Jim Cornette. So, which is kind of funny how much he was talking shit to Cornette back in the day and all this stuff. It was a great feud. And if you can beat Steve Carino, your old manager, your old buddy, you can have your job back. And your ex-old buddy, Jimmy Jacobs, is going to be the special referee. Kevin Steen wins the match. Why I love this pay-per-view is after that... We have a tag title match. You got the Briscoes taking on World's Greatest Tag Team for the titles. In your main event match, it's Davey Richards against Eddie Edwards. Davey Richards retains, and then Kevin Steen comes out from the crowd. He's got his job. He can do whatever the fuck he wants to now. And he 
calls him like a kung fu bitch because Davy Richards is known for his martial arts stuff, and he comes out the crowd in Manhattan Center and went ape shit for him. Uh, we also got Jay Lethal versus El Generico versus Michael Bennett. You still with me, ODM? Oh, I'm here, buddy. He, We're here. You're a champ. You're going through it. <laughs> Dynamite ma- uh, drop in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then it's funny again, chronological, if we can just go backwards yeah, a bit. Yeah, you're going but backwards. In 2000, right, it is. But it it's because this is a much better pay-per-view. That's the problem. Um, in 2010, so the year before this, you know, I said Kevin Seam was fighting to get his job back. Because he lost it the year before in a mask versus career match to El Generico, Sami Zayn. This is when they were just honestly at their very best. Their feud, it was, I liked NXT and WWE stuff, but this was amazing stuff that they were doing back then. And in this world title match, also that night, you have Roderick Strong taking on Davey Richards. Homicide took on Daniels. And uh, the All Night Express took on Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly, which, uh, again, they were a tag, team, a tag team as Future Shock for a little bit. Number 35 is ECW Heat Wave 98. Headlined with a street fight, Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, and Spike Dudley taking on, well, the rest of the Dudley family. That's Bubba, Devon, and Big Dick. And then we also had a Falls Count Anywhere match with Taz taking on Bam Bam Bigelow. I think we all remember how that one ends. (laughs) And one of the multiple awesome fights between Masato Tanaka and Mike Awesome. And, And we even have Chris Candido taking on Lance Storm. Often forget about the ECW pay per views, you know, when you're talking about like all time. And this is it's one of the good ones. I actually like this one. Yeah, no, I mean, again, you look at the names and it's, you know, pretty fucking, pretty fucking. It's an all-star cast, if you will. Yeah, especially when you've got like a street fight with Sandman and Tommy Dreamer in it right there. I mean, you may think of that as standard fare, but uh, on this kind of stage. Totally. TNA, I got to be honest, I didn't think they were going to make this many, but when I really started looking at a lot of things here, they, they really did have some Pretty decent pay-per-views at one point in time. And in 2007, they're coming in at number 34 with Sacrifice. World title match is a triple threat. Christian Cage, Sting, and Kurt Angle. You also have Samoa Joe taking on AJ Styles. And in one of their most infamous matches of all time for TNA, a Texas death match between former partners of America's Most Wanted, James Storm, and Wildcat Chris Harris. We even get Jeff Jarrett versus Bobby Roode. I think it's roughly right around the exact time I really started to watch TNA on a a consistent basis. And I remember how heavily talked about this Texas death match was. And it still is to this date. And actually, I know Nightwing, it's actually one of your favorites. He's talked about it before. It's one of America's Most Wanted was one of his favorite tag teams. Number 33, another personal favorite of mine. Maybe it's because I'm a huge Bret Hart mark, but WrestleMania 10, the night that he wrestles twice but only goes one for one. 
Steals the show in the opening match with his brother Owen, only to take on Yoko at the end of the night, who also took on Luger earlier in the night. We have special guest referees in Roddy Piper and Mr. Perfect. We have the infamous ladder match. I, I didn't want to say first ever. They always like to say the first ladder match, but it wasn't, man. Yeah. They, Brett and Sean did one at least in 92. You know, and before that, Jake Roberts was doing them in uh, Smoky Mountain. Anyway, but... Razor, Sean, of course, one of the, the best uh, ladder matches just because it's the original, at least, OG for WWE that they heavily promoted. And then we also had the Quebecers taking on Men on a Mission for the world or the tag titles. Alundra Blaze took on Lilani Kai. And a match I actually just talked about not too long ago, Savage and Crush, um, where they did a different kind of falls count anywhere. Once you pin the guy, you got 30 seconds to get back to the ring. And if you don't make it, you lose. I just, I kind of like that concept as a po. It's kind of like a last man standing falls count anywhere match. <laughs> uh, number 32, Ring of Honor, better than our best. Main event was headlined because it was very heavily feuded at this point. Colt Cabana versus Homicide. And your world title match was. Brian Danielson taking on Lance Storm. We also had a great fatal four-way match with Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, AJ Styles, and Jimmy Wang Yang. And we also on this night had Austin Aries and Roderick Strong taking on Blood Generation, which is Seema and Doi. Back to WWE because the 31st entrant on this list is WWE Fully Loaded 2000. Kind of forgot about this one. A little bit of a sleeper, man. You got Rock and Benoit for the world title in 2000. Benoit didn't even get his world title in WWE until 2004. And here he is with Shane McMahon in his corner, nonetheless, taking on The Rock in 2000. This night, we also had a last man standing match with Chris Jericho and Triple H. And a pretty good fucking... When you see the names on this, you're like, what? Rikishi versus Val (laughs) Venus. Huh? In a steel cage. Okay. And it was actually a really, really good match. Um, and if you pretty infamous spot too with Rikishi. Number 30. Something we're not gonna be able to ever talk about when we get to the Monday Night Wars because it technically wasn't happening. But Damn it was Spring too. Stampede. I know, and this is the whole pay-per-view looked so good. In Spring Pan is Spring Spring Stampede nineteen ninety-four, headlined with Flare and Steamboat, keeping the old school feud alive, if you will. Because, I mean, they still had the one that was going on in the, what was it, 90, no, 89. 89. You know, their original. Yeah. Uh, but kind of revisiting that, which is funny because Steamboat is just kind of coming back from WWF at the time. He was uh, Ricky the Dragon. They had him coming out breathing fire. Uh, but also this night, Steve Austin versus Great Muda. Fuck yeah. Rick Rude versus Sting, Vader versus the big boss man, or just the boss, Ray Trailer. Oh, my God. Is that a, should that be a triple? Uh, I'm not going to do a hat trick for him. <laughs> All right. We got William Regal versus Brian Pillman. They go to a time limit. DDP versus Johnny B. Bad. <clears throat> and this is a very, very, uh, I would say, memorable match that a lot of people, uh, if they ever talk about 
old school Cactus Jack matches, at least in WCW. Him and Max Payne taking on the Nasty Boys. Probably one of the better matches that Cactus actually had in WCW altogether. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of feel disappointed I don't have a big boss man bumper. Anyway, <laughs> number 29 coming in is uh, uh, Supercard of Honor 2006. We have a rematch, actually, from the Better Than Our Best uh, match. Oh, no, no, they, these guys are – it's another rematch. I apologize from another time. But it's Brian Danielson and Roderick Strong for the world title. In a triple threat, we have Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, and Jimmy Jacobs. And in a match that we suggested in the very first season, one of my favorite of all time, it is the three-on-three do-fixer versus blood generation match. Just – I don't even think anybody tags in once, but it's just probably one of the best lucha matches, if you will, of all time. Uh, AJ Styles and Matt Seidel took on Austin Aries and Jack Evans. 28. We have TNA Turning Point 2009. They tried to recreate history. You had the unbreakable pay-per-view, right, with Joe, Daniels, and uh, AJ Styles. Well, they tried doing it again here because AJ is our world champion, and AJ retains in this one. This night, we also get AJ Styles versus Desmond Wolf, a.k.a. Nigel McGuinness. Bobby Lashley took on Scott Steiner, and British Invasion took on Beer Money Versus the Motor City Machine Guns in a triple threat tag team title match. 27. The very first ECW pay-per-view. Barely legal. Triple threat match between Terry Funk, Sandman, and Stevie Richards. Winner is going to go on to face Raven. And god damn it, Terry Funk pulls out the wins in every way possible. And becomes an ECW champ at the first pay-per-view. And this night, we also get another great rivalry that had gone on for many years. It's probably just more of the start of it. Rob Van Dam versus Lance Storm. Also, Taz versus Sabu. And the Dudleys versus the Eliminators, which is uh, Saturn and Cronus, one of my favorite tag teams from ECW. This was a huge one just because of where it takes history, right? This was their first pay-per-view. This is the one from Beyond the Mat where Heyman gives the speech. To all the wrestlers. Just going to say that speech, yep. Puts over Funk. um, You know, tells the wrestlers, you pay a lot of respect to this man because it's because of him that we're here. So, yeah, a very important pay-per-view and still a solid card on top of it, too. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be like your best wrestling top to bottom, you know, but it was it's what it was overall. Right. The importance of that. And capping off the first part of our list or the first half at least, at number 26, WWE No Way Out. I talked a little bit ago about Royal Rumble. Uh, the No Way Out in 2001 is the follow-up to that Rumble. And, you know, I'd said that we had Triple H versus Angle, and then Austin won the Royal Rumble. Before Austin can go on and really go for that world title, He has to avenge the guy that fucking ran him over with a vehicle, Triple H, and they have a three stages of hell match. And in this night, The Rock wins the world title, so now it is officially official that The Rock and Austin are going to meet at WrestleMania 17. Also, for this pay-per-view, 
You had a tag team tables match where it was the Dudleys versus Edge and Christian versus Taker and Kane. Talk about a match that's just like all those names in one. That's that's an awesome tables match. I didn't realize it was a tables match. Uh, we also have Jericho versus Benoit versus X-Pac versus Eddie uh, for the Intercontinental title. And we also get Trish Stratus versus Stephanie McMahon. This is kind of leading towards that McMahon versus McMahon feud that's been going on in Linda's fucking like comatose right now. Yeah, that's creepy. It is. It was weird. But here we go. Number 25, second half of the show, and making their first appearance into the paper, into this uh, list. And to be honest with you, I swear to God, this pay per view is one of the reasons why we had to go to 50 because I was like, if I put them in there, and not a certain WWE pay-per-view. You know what I mean? Someone's going to yeah. be like, how the fuck did that? So I'm like, we're going to make it bigger. <laughs> Coming at number 25, AEW All Out 2019. This night was supposed to be Omega versus Moxley. Moxley have a sta- has a staff infection in the elbow. So we ended up getting Omega versus Pac, a match we didn't know we wanted. And we ended up absolutely loving. We also got Jericho versus Paige. For the world title, and we had the official world title uh, given to Jericho that night. Cody versus Sean Spears. The Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers in the ladder match, or as you call it, the... Escalera de la Muerte. That thing. And then we also had... Here's a fucking throwback for you when you think about how old, <laughs> yeah, right. how old school AEW used to be and how much we liked it back then. Havoc. Jimmy Havoc versus Joey Janela versus Darby Allen. I go, wow, I'd give anything to watch that match again. That's weird. Huh. <laughs> With everything that you guys are doing nowadays, I'm like, oh, that, that's sad. <sighs> 24, TNA, Bound for Glory 2007. Your world title match is Sting versus Kurt Angle. We also get Samoa Joe versus Christian Cage. There's a gauntlet match for the first ever knockouts champion to be crowned, and that first champion is also a TNA Hall of Famer, Gail Kim. We also get a two out of three falls tables match. That's a concept. With the Steiners versus Team 3D. And in a Monsters Ball match, Rhino, Black Rain, who's Dustin, Raven, and Abyss. So basically one giant car wreck. (laughs) Number 23, Backlash 2004. Now this is, you know, WrestleMania. Backlash. They didn't call it that back then. It was just the backlash of WrestleMania. Imagine that. And the the rematch was the triple threat. Shawn Michaels, Chris Benoit, and Triple H. Did we want to see it again? Eh, not really. When it was over, yes. I think that this one was better than the first, personally. Just in, in, even more so, it's in Canada. God damn, yeah. Benoit was so over with this crowd. Um, we also get in a hardcore match, Cactus Jack versus Randy Orton. It's like the first time we've ever seen Randy Orton bleed was at this pay-per-view. Ric Flair versus Shelton Benjamin in Edge's first match back since having his neck problems or neck surgery, taking on... King. 21, again, it's one of those ones that I don't want to cover too hard because we are going to get there eventually, but it's actually a a favorite pay-per-view of mine. 
WCW Starcade 1996. Again, you know how I say like on paper something could be really good and then suck, but then something could also you look at it on paper and you're like, God, it looks like it's gonna suck and ends up being really good. Right. That's what this Starcade was. Because mm-hmm. it was headlined with Hogan and Piper. And then you got Giant Luger and you're like, oh, that's okay. DDP and Eddie Guerrero for the vacant US title. But we also had Ultimo uh, Ultimo Dragon versus Dean Malenko. Juice and Thunder Liger versus Rey Mysterio, and The Outsider versus Faces of Fear. One big key to this, and this is not going to dive too deep into the Monday Night Wars, but this is one of the very first times WCW finally gets a little bit of edge back. And Sting makes an appearance in the Giant Luger match, and that all kind of, I mean, think about it. Right now we're talking about how Giant's calling out Luger Monday Night Wars, right? So it's a huge culmination by the time we get to Starcade. Love this pay-per-view. You're probably like, it wasn't AEW, man. But in number, at number 20, I called it it just so I could make this easier for my list. But it was all in 2018. But we're going to call it AEW all in 2018. Close enough. Most of the guys, like I said, still work there. Uh, but you have Kenny Omega took on Penta, Cody, and Nick Aldis for the NWA title. Marty Skrull in a banger with Kazuchika Okada. And then we had that Lucha six-way main event match with the Bucks. Um, remember Daniels versus Stephen Amell? Remember yep. that happened too? Yep. <laughs> Jay Lethal versus Flip Gordon. Book Flip. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of... Dude... It's a good pay-per-view, and honestly, it was it was a time of celebration. Everybody was excited because it was the first pay-per-view that was done by not WWE yeah. in a very long time that was, uh, or outside of Impact or Ring of Honor, it was just done on their own. It was a collection of but, wrestlers from all over the place. Really? Yeah. And it's, oh man, I I really, really was hoping Skrull was going to win against Okada that night. That was a great match. I know. Oh my It God. was fantastic. You also realize how short Skrull was <laughs> yeah. when he stood to Okada. You're like, either Okada's really fucking tall or Skrull's tiny. We talked about this one before. We're going to be talking about it, I'm sure, by next year. Uh, but this is one of the, the craziest crowds of all time. You have In Your House 16. Canadian Stampede. It comes in at number 19. This is the Heart Foundation, well, basically all of Canada, taking on all of USA, right? And you had Flair. Jesus, no, you didn't have Flair. I was going to say. You had, you had Austin, LOD, Goldust, and Shamrock taking on, which was uh, the Heart Foundation, Pillman, Bulldog, Owen, Brett, and Jim the Anvil. The crowd Oh, my God. People who are faces were booed. I mean, fucking, it was weird, man. Yeah. And the only person who really got cheered the right way because they were face and it, it was okay was Undertaker. They were like, nah, well, we, st- yeah, we still right? respect you, exactly. man. It's all good. And this is where they go after uh, Stu, I believe, when he's in the crowd. Cause he's oh, the yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And at the end, you see Pillman's the one that helps Stu get in the ring. Another other thing, by the way, uh, is during the Casino Battle Royal when Pillman got in the ring, they even made a mention. They're like, people are really starting to take notice of this kid because you saw his humble side on the dark side of the ring a couple weeks back and nice. hearing things. I'm like, good. I'm glad you mentioned that because I did. I took more to him now mm-hmm. because of that thing. That's just, it's real. Um, 
But also on this night, we have Triple H versus Mankind. And this is starting off like a huge summer feud between these two guys. Uh, it, it gets a little crazy to the point where we, this is where we start to meet different faces of Foley. <laughs> Not, one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time is from 2014. It was a joined pay-per-view. And it comes in at number 18, Ring of Honor at New Japan, War of the Worlds. Listen to this rundown, dude. AJ Styles versus Okada for the title. Shinsuke Nakamura taking on Kevin Steen. The Good Brothers took on the Briscoes. The Young Bucks took on Red Dragon. Adam Cole took on Jushin Thunderlager. Jay Lethal versus Kushida. And Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Mike Bennett. That's insane. Absolutely insane. And it was. It was absolutely insane. Um, I remember this pay-per-view. I actually uh, got my hands on it when I was laid out, uh, you know, sick with cancer back you know, five, six, seven years ago. And this is one of the pay-per-views that I got my hands on. And I laughed so hard when Nakamura does his good vibrations or whatever you they call it. Yeah. And Steen goes, what's wrong with you? Why are you shaking? It's just fucking gold. It's just, it's when I knew I really, really, really liked Kevin Steen because he was comedy, but also a badass. And those, uh, that thing I was telling you about earlier with uh, Final Battle, he was like a, a Brian Pillman in that time where he was just going off the rails and like, you couldn't tell. He was like blurring the lines of things, like how he was going against Cornette. It was just. I always liked Steen from the very start, and I always used to think of him as a Pillman, so it's funny we talk about him so often now. Number 17, WrestleMania 20, where it all begins again. And this one did not disappoint. This is actually another one in Madison Square Garden. In this, you have two world title matches. You got Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. Love the ending of that match with the yeah, whole boot. The boot, all of yeah. It. It's just fucking Definitely. fantastic. A match that we already talked about that was a rematch of, but we have Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and Chris Benoit. We also have the Rock and Sock connection, Rock and Sock connection taking on Evolution, which is Orton, Flair, and Batista in a two out of three uh, or a handicap match, if you will. Undertaker coming back and facing Kane, and this is the first time we're seeing Undertaker not American badass. A little extra too, and. Also, we get Chris Jericho versus Christian for the love of basically Trish Stratus. Ivory versus Molly Holly in a hair versus hair match. John Cena gets his first U.S. title win by beating the Big Show in the opening match. And the infamous (laughs) booing the piss out of two men in one match. Brock Lesnar, Bill Goldberg. At least they got redemption years later, Survivor Series with the right way with the squash and all that That stuff and WrestleMania. Because this... Oh, my God. It's really bad when everybody's just cheering your fucking ref. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Number 16, back in Ring of Honor, best in the world. 2011, Davey Richards finally reaches the pinnacle by beating his tag team partner, Eddie Edwards, for the Ring of Honor title. Fatal four-way tag team title match with the Briscoes, the All Night Express, World's Greatest Tag Team, and the Kings of Wrestling, which is... Cesaro and Chris Hero, or Claudio Casnelli. Um, and we also get 
El Generico versus Christopher Daniels for the TV title, and Colt Cabana versus Tommaso Ciampa. It's funny to think about those two squaring off and in totally different companies. Probably something we'll never see again. Yeah, right. Number 15, this one I feel like I might get some flack for, but fuck you, it's my fucking list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's a lot, there's a lot why this is good. It's not a stack card, but this is a big one. We we just talked about the their third installment of it just a little while ago, but AEW Double or Nothing 2019. It is the number one contenders match where you got Kenny Omega taking on Chris Jericho. Omega gets his nose broken in the first 10 minutes and still continues for another 30. And you know you're not able to breathe anywhere near as well as you could. And he still put on a good fucking match, surprisingly. And, of course, we get Moxley's debut directly after that match. We also get, for the AAA Tag Team titles, Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks, Cody versus Dustin, which we've said already when we did the top AEW matches, it came in at number one for good reason. Everything, storytelling, all of it, the blood. I mean, not even just because it was blood, it soaked the entire canvas. Mm-hmm. Like It was such an awesome match. Uh, and then we also, for that night, got Adam Page as the... He was the wild card or joker in the Casino Battle Royal, and that winner was the number one contender as well. So now we're going to have what we already talked about before, uh, Jericho and Paige going to be going at it. I love this pay-per-view. Like, top to bottom, there was very little to complain about. They even had matches where you're like, oh, good, I get to take a piss because I don't care about this one. But it was just (laughs) the right amount of everything. Um. Coming in at number 14. It's funny how these two are sandwiched together on this one. But anyway, so number 14 is WrestleMania 18. I think match placement maybe takes a different toll to, as to why it's where it's at. This I did have this pay-per-view better ranked at first, but then I was like, I don't know, man. It was pretty flat for some of it. And why I say that, because you got Rock and Hogan. They just took the wind out of everybody for the entire night once that was over. Poor fucking Trish, uh, Trish, Jazz, and I think like Lita or something like that. Whoever followed along with that, they did not have a good follow. Poor them. But then also you had Triple H and Jericho. But this is supposed to be Triple H's big comeback. You should have had his title win right before that. Jack people up and then have Hogan and Rock. But I don't think anybody realized that Hogan was going to be that goddamn over in that arena that it's night. It's that Canadian crowd, man. Walking in. Holy shit. I still remember watching that, and all of us were like, yeah, they're fucking cheering him right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, they're booing the shit out of Rock. Like, it just, it was like a the Austin Hart swap, and you didn't even know that it, it was, like, the crowd did it, not the, not the. Exactly. The office. It was cool. Uh, but also, we got Taker versus Flair. And on this night, he become, he becomes 10-0. and 0. One of the first times they actually start talking about the streak. And after he beats him, I remember he stands up, looks at all of his fingers, and does a 10-0 and 0 while he has Ric Flair's blood all over him. Uh, that's where they also use David Flair in the storyline buildup, which is kind of funny. Uh, we also got Kane versus Kurt Angle, which on paper you're like, eh, great match. One of my favorite times that Angle ever did one of those running to the ropes while the guy's up there and flips him off because it was a huge guy to flip over his shoulders. And him and Kane put on a great match. We also had Steve Austin versus Scott Hall. Eh, it was just very flat. 
Um, but Rob Van Dam versus William Regal, he gets a nosebleed. Edge takes on Booker T and DDP versus Christian. And this is when DDP is doing the, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That, and it's for the European title. Uh, and I said sandwiched about, you know, because he had double or nothing in WrestleMania team. But now we're going to we're going to go back to AEW, surprisingly, man. I'm sorry. Revolution 2020 is very popular for a reason because it's, again, one of those ones that top to bottom, your storylines were there, your matches were there. Uh, everything just put together, I thought, was a great match. Even just Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, how that whole thing started with, like, the cue cards and all that stuff, right? Um, and then you had that match, Cody versus MJF, and all the shit he went through just to get the match with MJF. The match that we recently talked about, Pac versus Orange, which, excellent comedy, but also had no had no right of... to be as good as it was. Dude, thank you. That's that should be a top topic. Ten <laughs> matches that had no right to be as good as it was. There you go. Uh, the match that everybody talks about, which I kind of referenced before, is Omega and Page uh, winning the tag team titles from the Young Bucks. Uh, no, they're not winning it. No, I'm sorry. They just retained the titles. Yeah. if I'm not mistaken. They retained, that night, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, and oh, they were teasing the dissension between those two. That's really what it was pushed on. But then Moxley and Jericho, it was the eye for an eye storyline, and Moxley finally wins the world title. Awesome. So it was, uh, it was a good night of payoffs. Again, it was just a f- yeah. It was it really was, and it was just a feel good pay per view. They did a great job pacing everything out where all the matches were. I thought uh, number twelve, I think an underrated pay per view. Um, 2012 Extreme Rules World title match You have two world title matches Your WWE championship match Was CM Punk versus Chris Jericho It was like a no holes barred match uh, it, was a, it was their rematch From what was at Wrestlemania uh, Just prior to that This night we also have For the world title Now we're going to give them some time We only gave them 10 seconds or whatever At WrestleMania, but now we get Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan for the world title in a two out of three falls match. This is the match that I officially said, oh, wow, I actually like Sheamus. Because <laughs> he was in there with the right guy that made him look just like a million bucks, man. And I was disappointed that Bryan didn't win, right? But this is just the beginning of a really good yes movement push. And we we haven't even touched Team Hell No at that point, right? So... The, the, the pay-per-view did a great job. You also had a returning match, Big Show versus Cody. And it's hysterical because it was a tables match, and Big Show just slips off the apron and accidentally steps on the table, and it breaks. And they and he kind of has like a, oh, shit, look on his face. And the ref goes, well, that's it. <laughs> I loved how they did that spot. But this is the night that the main event wasn't even a world title match. It was Brock Lesnar in his very first WWE match in seven, eight years against John Cena. And I still, to this date, remember my Facebook post because it comes up every April when it, when I see it. I'm pretty sure Brock Lesnar just forgot what business he was working for. It wasn't UFC, bro. Because that's where he bust Cena up bad, fucked his arm up. Cena had like a busted lip. They Like it was, it was a hard hitting match. And I was like, I don't... I almost wondered if he was too stiff or was Cena like, give me 
fucking everything. Could be. I need this. I need this crowd to know that I am not a person. I mean, Lesnar. I gone, really mean that. Lesnar's beaten on Cena a couple times, you know. So, right. But this was the first real while Cena was on top as the the big top dog, and he's coming back in. And but Cena went over. That was a weird part that no one ever understood, and I still don't to this date that. Lesnar's first match back, he lost, but I, I almost wonder if it's like, yeah, you know, for that shit you pulled and you went to New Japan, you went to football, you went and did all this shit, you're losing your first fucking match back, pal. I feel be. like that's kind of the, the conversation. Uh, let's see here. Where did we leave off? Oh, but also on this night, um, we got Kane and Randy Orton in actually a surprising, surprisingly good Falls Count Anywhere match as well. New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 11 comes in at number 11. Weird. This is the night that we have Kenny Omega taking his first stab at the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Kazucho Okada, which you referenced earlier about the Terminator costume, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, This night for the Intercontinental title, Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, takes on Tetsuro Naito, if you remember, this is where Naito just beats the living piss out of the Intercontinental title for months by throwing it all over the place. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi versus Kushida. The Ring of Honor title is defended as Kyle O'Reilly, who just won it recently at Final Battle, hands it back over to Adam Cole, basically, and loses the title right there in the Tokyo Dome. And we also get Cody Rose versus Juice Robinson, which is actually another really good match that you're like, yeah. I didn't know I was going to like, and it was pretty decent. But Cody getting a chance to really show his skills at this point outside of the E. Coming in at number 10. Oh, God, one of the, we've talked about this all too often. But it is Dominion 2017. So that's right. About four years ago is the draw that was Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada. The infamous out of steam falling down for the Rainmaker just says everything. If I if you had to say what's the part of that match that could tell you the story of that match, that right there, running Absolutely. out of gas, but you still hit the sixty minutes. Uh, we also got the return match this night of Tanahashi and uh, Tetsuro Naito from that Wrestle Kingdom and Kushida as well as Takahashi, but the Gorillas of Destiny. Defeat War Machine as well to become the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Ain't nobody realer than Gorilla. Man, we're, wow, we made it, made it pretty quick, man. Here we are, down to single digits. Number nine, one of my favorite last man standing matches of all time. Shawn Michaels and oh, I should probably tell you the pay per view. Uh, Royal Rumble, two thousand four. There we go. All right. World title match is Shawn Michaels and Triple H in a last man standing match. Neither man reaches 10. We've talked about it here on the show before. Both of them are just absolute crimson masks. And it's, God, two pros. And, you know, we talked about it, how they just had a match uh, on that Raw of 96 not too long ago. Here they are in 2004, still just putting on classics. And that feud still continues after, which is great. Um, But also, Chris Benoit wins the... Royal Rumble going one all the way to 30, last eliminating Big Show. Bob Holly against Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. That sounds weird, but it was the redemption because of the broken neck. 
Um, but also this night we get Lesnar and Goldberg and a stare off, which is kind of letting uh, kind of let us know that's maybe where we're going to head to for WrestleMania 20. But we also don't know that both guys are leaving very soon. And finally, we get the uncle versus nephew match. Eddie took on Chavo Guerrero. And this is directly before Eddie's big push when he's going to win the, the world title one month from now, which is just crazy when you think about it all. Number eight, Wrestle Kingdom 9. It's another one of the, the pay-per-views that I got my hands on when I was uh, down and out. <laughs> but this is uh, a great one where Tanahashi uh, takes on Kazuchika Okada for the world title, defends and keeps. Shinsuke Nakamura defends and keeps his Intercontinental title against Kota Ibushi. Woo! Easily one of my favorite Shinsuke Nakamura matches of all time. AJ Styles took on Tetsuro Naito, and Kenny Omega took on Taguchi for the junior heavyweight championship. Stack card, great wrestling. Uh, this is before Wrestle Kingdom started becoming five, six, seven hours, you know, kind of like WrestleMania. Right. They're all getting too much. It's funny, I saw something the other day. They're like, WrestleMania could be two nights again this year. I'm like, no. There's no reason it needs to be. Yeah, I was already way burnt out by the end of night two. I Like midway of night two that I almost didn't even give a fuck about Edge, Roman, and Daniel Bryan this year. I was like, I'm tired. I don't really give a fuck. Just show me who wins. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven. This is one of my favorite uh, I, ECW, what do you call it? invasions that they ever did it was the original one in 2005 that sparked the tv show to eventually come back a year later and it just showed how much the fans really loved that hardcore wrestling because we had one night stand 2005 um the ending of it is a real fight brawl that has bradshaw and blue meanie beating the piss out of each other <laughs> well uh, this night not we beating also the piss had... out of each other it was pretty one way <laughs> oh no, no i'm sorry you're absolutely right Bradshaw beat the living piss out of Blue Meanie. Uh, and it's funny because Austin's just in there drinking beer throughout the whole thing, which I find kind of funny. He can't take bumps, so he's just going to drink the whole time. Uh, we also got Chris Benoit versus Eddie Guerrero. Chris Jericho pulls out the Lionheart gimmick to become or to face Lance Storm, which, if you remember a little while ago, I actually said Jericho versus Storm in one of the other pay-per-views. So it's just kind of funny where you look back in time. Um the Dudleys took on Tommy Dreamer and Sandman. That was your main event. We got Mike Tanaka, and, or Mike Tanaka, Jesus, Mark, Masato Tanaka, and Mike Awesome renewing their rivalry. Rey Mysterio took on Psychosis. And in the infamous promo, Paul Heyman rips into everything that is WWE at the time in one of my favorite promos ever. It's a historic Especially, one. It's really the, only, the only thing I don't like is when he goes i have hey edge i got two words for you and he goes matt freaking hardy and edge goes that was three you lied <laughs> but other than that i did like the whole uh oh uh the only reason you were wwe champion for years because triple h didn't want to work tuesdays way to fucking break down that fourth wall that was that was one of the best ever at that point. God, I love that promo. Now I'm going to watch it after we're done. All right, here we go. Number six is Wrestle Kingdom 12. This 
not too long ago, just a couple years back, and it's funny to think that it was just a couple years ago that it was Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, Omega versus Alpha. And they co-headlined that night with Okada and Naito. Uh, We also got Jay White taking on Tanahashi. This is my first time really getting to see Jay White, and I loved the Switchblade character. Absolutely loved it. He wasn't even in any faction at this point, if I'm not mistaken. And it was like the very next night is when he officially joined Bullet Club. Huge fan of this whole night, this pay-per-view. We also had... Will Ospreay versus Marty Skrull versus Kushida versus Hiromu Takahashi for the junior uh, title. Hiroki Goto versus Minoru Suzuki. Hair versus hair. And I loved it because Suzuki kicks the fucking chair out of the way or kicks the thing out of the way and just shaves his own head. (laughs) He's you ain't doing it. I'm going to do my fucking hair. I loved it. Cody versus Kota Ibushi. Remember, he did the crossroads off of the fucking apron to the ground. Mm-hmm. This is one of the first times I actually remember saying I really liked Brandy Rose, too, because she walks out to the ring being like, uh, everybody's here to see us. Everybody wants to be us. And if you don't like it, you're just a simple mark. And I was like, go, girl. All right. Um, you know why I, they I were better then? Girl. You know why they were better then? Because they didn't have so much say in the booking. That's extremely true. Because then she started cutting everybody's hair. Number five. Hey, man, top five. Here we go. Now, this is where we said it could get a little debatable, but I think overall, what do you think? Top five, pretty safe to say where everything's Yeah, at? definitely. Uh, I like uh, yeah. number one, I, I think is dead on. Uh, but yeah. Good. Yeah, I think that, good. So did I. I almost listed the entire fucking card. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I know I know the card, you know, so. Number five was one of the craziest nights that we hadn't had in a long time. And it was a good spark that everybody needed. It was after the pipe bomb promo. It is money in the bank in Chicago, 2011 Cena versus punk. And it's punk's last night takes off the title. Goodbye. McMahon. It was just something we had not seen. That was that excited, exciting in such a long time, but also both Money in the Bank matches were won by people that people actually wanted to see win. Daniel Bryan and Alberto Del Rio were like, the fuck's going on, man? And we, like two weeks, all of a sudden, you guys are giving us everything we want. Wow, this is amazing. Christian versus Randy Orton for the world title. If Randy Orton gets DQ'd, he loses the title. Christian spits in Orton's face and he beats the piss out of him until the fucking ref. Uh, or no, wait, was this the night that he hit the, the ref in the balls? Oh, there's so many different ones that they did, but Christian was in the world title picture and it was well-deserved at this time. Oh, amazing. The whole pay-per-view, the crowd was hot, man. You could not piss them off if you tried. Like Everybody was just into everything. Number four, this one, I don't know. Some people may be kind of like, really? I'm surprised that this one does make it, but... I think top to bottom, it was just a tremendous card when you look at it and all the importance of everything. Yeah. WrestleMania 30 opens up with Dan O'Brien. You know, he's going to be pulling the double headers, we find out, because he beats Triple H in one of my favorite open, opening matches to a WrestleMania in a long time. Like, that was comparable to Brett and Owen, except it was way more heat. And the crowd went nuts as soon as Brian hits that knee. Cesaro wins the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal by throwing Big Show over last by picking his fucking body up and the crowd pops. 
We also get the streak ending with Undertaker. Cena versus Bray Wyatt. The Shield completely dominated New Age Outlaws. I mean, overall, when you just look at it, this was, and then you obviously have Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and Batista. You could not go wrong, I really feel like, in this entire pay-per-view. It was definitely solid. And AJ Lee beat the entire women's roster, too. What's that? And AJ Lee beat the entire yeah. women's roster. It was like 1 versus 15. Which is perfect, because the next night she dropped the title of the page. Yeah. Just, just going to wipe the slate completely clean. Yeah, that's what they like to do. Here we go, number three in the top 50 pay-per-views of all time. Number three, very, very important night. It is SummerSlam 2002. It is the first night that Shawn Michaels has had his first match in four years, and it's unsanctioned against Triple H. The crowning of a new champion, the, the torch has been passed, if you will. Brock loses his title to Brock Lesnar. We also get Kurt Angle versus Rey Mysterio, Edge versus Eddie Guerrero, and Chris Benoit versus RVD. Solid pay-per-view, all solid matches, and this is when the brand, the brand split is really at probably its Strongest peak that it will probably ever have at this point. Um, Because, I, I mean, the brand split in 2003 and 04, probably the best, right? And then after that, it was just, no, we don't really care anymore. Yeah, like, <laughs> the rules, there was no such thing as a split anymore. So if you got a spot on the SummerSlam card, you had to deliver. Mm -hmm. Because it's a co-show, right? It's not just split pay-per-views. So Edge versus Guerrero, Benoit versus RVD, you're taking stuff from all different shows and really it was just strong it was just an outstanding pay-per-view number two this is one of my uh first live wrestle kingdoms live-ish we'll say <laughs> uh ish because it's kind of hard with their time but you know mm -hmm. wrestle kingdom 10 shinsuke nakamura and aj styles for the intercontinental title before both of them take off to go to wwe we have Hiroshi Tanahashi finally dropping the world title to, or the IWGP heavyweight title to Okada in a fucking barn burner of a match. Uh, Tamahiro Ishii and Katsura Shibata. This is where they just take turns. I'll sit down, you chop me in the back. I'll, you kick me in the back. God, I dare you. They just beat the piss out of each other. We also get Kenny Omega versus Kushida, and the Ring of Honor title again is defended as Jay Lethal. Defends and retains against Michael Elgin. Look, man, I did all the talking for 49 fucking pay-per-views. <laughs> and since I know that you knew this was going to be number one, do me a favor, man. Talk about number one. I mean, it, it's funny. If you don't know wrestling but you know certain matches, you probably would learn quickly that WrestleMania 17 is one of the best pay-per-views just because of the card and everything that was contained in it. Some of it was... You know, you know, standalone-ish could be a raw episode, but so much. TLC 2. I mean, do we really need to say much? Well, more? one thing I want to say before you dive oh. into that TLC 2, I will say, this is also in a tiny way a celebration. Six days prior, the Monday Night Wars just ended. Vince just oh, yeah, bought, true. but then Shane, right? And that was all leading into this. It was only six days prior, so... The crowd is hot as fuck, dude, in every match. Like, no one sits in this pay-per-view. <laughs> right. But please, go on, yes. All right, so you had TLC2, obviously. I don't need to go into that too much. 
uh, this is the Rock Austin thing, and I, I don't care what you say. I know people hate it. I know people hate the turn uh, for whatever reason, but it meant something. It was huge. It was unexpected, uh, and it it's etched into history. It's an important turning point. Austin has sold his soul to the <laughs> devil. <laughs> yep, there you go. Uh, Taker Triple H. Uh, that was the uh, end of the era match, wasn't it? Was that that one? No, that wasn't. No, no that was the one before. End it. of the era was that was like ten years later. This yeah, is the one that they didn't fucking acknowledge for some weird reason when it came to when they had their no holes barred and then they had their end of an era Hell in a Cell uh-huh. match. They treated that like that was Taker Triple H one Taker Triple H two and at seventeen never fucking happened. Jesus. I don't know yeah, why. I don't know why either. Uh, but this one went all over the place. They were in the crowd, man. Yeah. I remember them going to the scaffolding area. Oh, so awesome. Uh, Angle, Benoit, Jericho, Regal. Was that the last IC WrestleMania match uh, until 27? Yep. For 10 goddamn yeah. years. Uh, there was... How sad is Yeah, that? that's pretty fucking sad considering it's your workhorse title and your workhorse doesn't get to wrestle at WrestleMania. Yep. But we already know it lost that shine anyway. Uh, pretty much around that time. That's exactly when we said it was going yep, to. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, this was the infamous Kane, Raven, Big Show hardcore match where they almost took out the power to the entire building. Uh, With the golf cart, yep. 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 Uh, this was China versus Ivory. This is when China was carrying the air cannon to the ring, and Ivory was in right to censor. And this is her return match from that stretcher job exactly. that happened at the Royal Rumble with the broken neck, which is why, again, why WrestleMania 17, I'm like, God damn, you even capped off a cool storyline. It was there. a massive pop. It was a quick squash, and she won the title back. So, yep, it was fucking great. Oh, the way she pins yep. her, she, like, nonchalantly just lays back on her just to get the three count. It was awesome. And one you didn't mention was McMahon versus oh, McMahon, shit. and you have Foley is your referee, and this is where Linda comes to life and kicks him right in the dick. In the dick. Yep. It was a nice crotch shot. You got to give it that. Trish and Stephanie fight during mm-hmm. this. It was awesome, dude, man. Yeah. The, it, nothing is wrong with this pay-per-view. I really couldn't tell you anything. It could possibly re- be wrong with WrestleMania 17. That's why it really is the greatest pay-per-view of all time. And it, I'm telling you. I was trying to be as strong biased onto this whole list as possible. I wanted to make sure that it made sense. And I was like, everybody says 17. But when I did all the match cards, all the research, I go, no, 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 it is. No, it, it, it it's the best. That's cool. It stood the Absolutely. test of time. It still does. So if you're looking for a pay-per-view to watch, the greatest one of all time, of course, is WrestleMania 17. We have been here for three hours, and it is time to run out of here. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Top of Wrestling Podcast. Whether you are listening to us on Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, uh, Pandora, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iTunes, anything, whatever. We appreciate it. Subscribe, like, and share. Next week, Nightwing Analyst is going to be back with some good shit. We're going to be back with some June 10th. 1996 Monday Night War history. And of course, as we always like to leave you, my name is the professor. I bid you a farewell. And as always, we like to have ODM leave us with a movie quote of the week 
from our movie of the week. And this week, he is going to do it in the form of Stone Cold Steve oh, Austin. God damn it, I hate that. What do you do with an elephant with three balls? Walk him and pitch to the rhino. God, that was awful. The Top of Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by The Top of Wrestling Podcast. Your hosts are The Professor, Mark Fantasia, and ODM, Joe Rizzo, with special weekly segments by Nightwing the Analyst, Rashawn Hilton. Without your continued support, it would just be some guys talking wrestling. Feel free to interact with the show on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and by email at thetopofwrestling at gmail.com.